2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is a lot to talk about. G'day guys, before we dive into the intro of today's episode of Three Mates and us talking about habits, I really want to compel everyone who's watching or listening to this to see out the whole pod. The three of us being three mates from different backgrounds with different experience and different challenges means that we always come with three different perspectives when it's one of these conversations and today's podcast was so profound and so moving for me personally to sit in on. I'm so grateful for the two guys beside me and their vulnerability and their honesty that this just feels like such a moving and important conversation. So if you need to pause this and pick it up across a few different sessions, um, if you make yourself a challenge today for us, it's to listen through to the whole thing because I know it's going to be so important for so many people. So thank you and enjoy the episode. G'day, g'day. Take two. The first take was absolutely shocking. Um, Here with... Two of my best mates, this is Three Mates, the consistent segment of the podcast in which we sit down to dive into a topic and get quite vulnerable and honest about it. My two mates who are here with me today, the same two as always, on my left, on your right, I'm Typhoony Grieve, and on the other side is the man, Joey the Zoolander Plum. How are we, lads? Doing good. It's been a minute. Doing good, doing good. certainly has been a minute. Um, I feel like we said before, maybe it's been like a good five or six weeks since we last filmed, which is out of character for us, but... Out of character, but we've also all had a little bit going on, you know? For sure. Yeah, so it, whilst it might not have been as regular as we liked, there's been some valid reasons, you know? Job for sure. change, life change, things have been happening, so... I think today's topic, to address it pretty early is a topic that we all can relate to in some way and when I say all I mean anyone listening or watching the pod as well it's a topic of habits and I feel as though habits are something that we discuss consistently as mates because it has such an impact on the quality of your life and I'm noticing which we'll get into today that right now habits are potentially more important to me than ever which I think is something really interesting to discuss. Um, how did this come about, this topic? I'm trying to think. We had a coffee. Well, we do have our list. We, we've got a bit of a list of topics that we want to get to. And I don't know if habits was even in there. So I think, do you remember, Fooney? I think this uh, might have just been super relevant to one of us. And we just I go. I can't remember how it came up. But I think it came up as habits and I posed a challenge. Try and do a habit for a week and then record your challenges of trying to break that habit after the week. Mm. And I failed pretty early on in the piece. <laughs> but, um, well, stuff to talk about anyway. Well, yeah, I think it felt super practical to all of us. So we just, when you chucked it out or whoever chucked out the idea, go, yeah, that seems relevant. It seems like something we can do um, now and within a week have some content to talk about. So, yeah, here we are. 
Beauty. What do you think? Do we go from left to right or right to left? I don't mind. I'm happy to kick it off. You kick it off, yeah. Joey. And we'll go across the lounge. I'll go last because I did a fair bit of homework on this. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Um, I just want to preface early. I'm a bit congested at the moment, so if it sounds like I'm struggling to talk, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before I kick it off, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. That quote, Brad, the quote about systems mm. that you've mentioned and that you love and that I also love, but I can't paraphrase it as well as you you ready for this yes please uh james clear from the book atomic habits which i'll state one more time i have not read but just heard this quote online and thought it was brilliant that we rarely rise to the level of our goals but rather fall to the level of our systems i love it mm. yeah and i think for me when i think about a habit um and especially through this challenge looking at how i can get rid of a habit or implement a habit in order to have a system that works for my life. So um, I didn't want to do anything, I guess, too challenging and without disclosing too much. I'm going through a bit of a, a transition period in my life at the moment, as you guys know, um, and with a lot of, I guess, emotional um, emotions happening right now in this period of my life that I'm going through, the idea of adding something extra to my plate seemed a little bit overwhelming. So my habit isn't too profound, it's not too deep, but I think it's something that um, will benefit me if I can fully get, get a grasp on it. And so what I decided to try to do was have no screen time after 9pm. Nothing crazy about that. I think everyone can kind of relate to spending a little bit too much time in a doom scroll or watching Netflix far too late into the night before bed. So I thought... For me, um, especially with my phone, that's a habit that I could kick and that I could yeah, do pretty much immediately. In saying that, initially it was no social media after eight and then no screens after nine. So I'm maybe looking to, to be asleep ideally around 10 p.m. So that gives me an hour after no screens. Um, what am I going to do with that time? I thought to myself, well, maybe I can journal maybe i can read audiobooks are on the table as well just no blue light no screens um i'm gonna admit right now that i was quite unsuccessful in the no social media after eight i i think after the first three or four days i decided hey let's not overcomplicate it let's just make it no screens after nine um so i did find myself struggling to put down the phone for social media um after eight but didn't have too many issues not being on social media after nine. But in saying that, I did still have issues putting screens down completely. So that to me looked like, um, you know, wanting to get through an episode of something, realizing shit, it's 8.30. I can't put this episode on now, it goes for an hour. That means I'm gonna be on the screen till 9.30. And then having that way up of, well, do I just not start the episode? I'm so tired. I don't really feel like reading anything. Um, I'm not really in the space to journal, which probably I should be doing, given the emotional, uh, I guess, space that I'm going through at the moment. But I could just feel the the pull of that. Ah, just chuck the episode on, and then I find myself watching the episode till nine thirty, nine forty five, ten p.m. Mm. And then going, well, shit. Go to my notes on my phone. Monday, 
unsuccessful with the habit. Tuesday, no, all right, restart. Let's do it again. Tuesday, successful. We could put it down by nine. No screens. I, I actually managed to jump back into an old audio audio book that I love. Um, and so I'd spend the, the almost the last hour of my day just listening to content, um, which I found really helpful for me falling into a nice sleep. I didn't feel distracted. I felt like I, my depth of sleep was great. Cool. Tuesday check. Wednesday, I uh, got home a little bit late from training, scrambled to cook some dinner. Before I know it, it's 8.30 and I'm just finishing up dinner. Oh, I haven't really had my time to just decompress and just do my little scroll on social media and go through messages or even emails for work. I'll just hop on it now. I'll do it quickly. Now it's 9, 9.15, 9.30, and I'm still at my desk answering emails from the day. Um, Wednesday, unsuccessful with the habit. So that you can kind of see that's what the, the week turned out for me to be. In the perfect scenarios, I was able to maintain the habit and it benefited me. I got great sleep. I um, woke up feeling well rested. I didn't have sore eyes. I was um, able to supplement the, the last hour of my day with something really positive, which was usually listening to an audio book um, and sometimes just meditating. I didn't get around to journaling. But those days felt good. It felt like that was a good system. But I definitely need to put a lot more work into maintaining maintaining consistency with those because in all honesty, um, you know, a strike rate of three out of ten for a habit is is not good enough for me. And then I start to think, all right, well, if it's so hard to, to maintain the habit, then is it the right habit to be choosing? Maybe 9 p.m. is a little bit too early for me or maybe 9.30 is, is a little bit more realistic. So I guess I'm in the space now of reassessing whether 9 p.m. no screens or cutoff time for screens, is that habit in itself healthy? Yes, I think it is. If it's so difficult to maintain, maybe there can be some little, I guess, adjustments made so that it can still supplement my life, but in a way that I'm actually going to be able to achieve it regularly. Mm. Because if I can't achieve it regularly, then the habit really doesn't have any effect on my life. So, yeah, so I, I guess the, the habit I like doing and what I've learned is that simplifying the habit was crucial for me. Because when you think about a habit to create or to get rid of, um, I've found myself in the past going one of two ways, getting super excited and going, all right, cool, let's clean up this life. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of this and let's add this. And I want to journal, meditate, stretch, um, have meals prepped and let's implement all of these habits into my life. And then really it just becomes too much. Or the second way is I can make it a non-negotiable in my head and I'll get it done but it doesn't actually supplement my life and usually those ones are, are ones that I will commit to you know here's a 30-day habit you know like 
cold showers morning and night for 30 days. I think the only way to know if it <coughs> benefits you posit- positively is to actually do it first. Exactly. Mm. And so I think that the experiments that I've run over the last few years with habits, because this isn't the first habit I've tried to implement, um, I think it was 20, 2020, I started to do a habit a month. And it was like 30 days, a new habit. And then if the habit was beneficial, I'd keep it. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't. Like, I'd just kind of go on to the next one. Can you remember any of them? Yeah, I remember there was the cold shower one. I remember there was a meat-free one. So, like, strictly vegetarian for 30 days. There was cold showers daily. There was um, meditation daily. I, I believe it was, like, 20-minute meditation daily. There was... Um, reading a book in within the month so finishing a book within the month and some of them were successful and some of them weren't but um i guess for me i yeah i feel like i need to simplify my habits and not get too overzealous with the habits i try to implement because like i said before if habits not getting completed doesn't matter how good it looks for your life if I can't maintain it and it's not realistic for me, then it's it's really not serving me. But in saying that, I do currently have probably the biggest experiment or habit that I've tried to implement in my life to date, which was from my birthday, April 14th, I told myself, non-negotiable, I will allocate 10 minutes per day to headspace. So that's just a 10-minute mindful meditation by myself, not guided, eyes closed, call it a decompression for the day. Um, I find myself doing it usually at the end of the day. But that's something that I've maintained since April of 14th this year. Mm. So that's a habit which has served me and I've held on to. And and I plan to hold on to for the 365 days. And then when I want to add on another little habit, be it the screen time or another little habit, those secondary or third habits become a little bit more challenging to maintain so i wonder if there's a there's a right amount of habits to try to implement or get rid of at a time i wonder like what i'll be really interested to see is when you've successfully ticked that box at the end of the year or come your next birthday and you go well that's a year 10 minutes of headspace every day i wonder whether that becomes a part of the systems that you now fall to and that system is something that you continue to play with. That's something that becomes a part of your life long-term because I often think to habits that I've had in the past that have served me really well, that almost once like the period in which I decided I was going to partake in it is done, I go, well, okay, well, I can kind of compromise on it again. And like it, then it doesn't serve me. And I, the question I wanted to ask you, which has been on the front of my mind, is you said that it was easy for you to maintain the habit when conditions were set up for success Mm -hmm. when you speak about the conditions not being um, congruent to success or the consistency of that habit is it more related to without disclosing everything that's happening in your life right now is it more related to your emotional state or the conditions of your environment in the day that unfolded Um, I think both so I think if you are in a space, you know, you're not feeling the best or, you know, you're going through um, the passing of someone or you're going through grief, for example, 
trying to implement a habit from that emotional landscape, in my experience, has been more difficult than when you're in a position of, okay, things are calm, nervous system is relaxed, let's supplement my life now. And I think it's more difficult for me is because I'm actively using more resources to get through the day, ultimately, to have, um, you know, to, to go through the grief that you're going through, you're asking a lot of yourself emotionally, um, physically, to continue exercising, to be, to be doing all the things that we know are good for our lives. And then when you're asking more of yourself at that time, it's just kind of like maybe not the time to be trying to implement um, extra habits. And I'm not saying like baseline habits, you know, eating well, exercising well, promoting sleep. These are habits which I think everyone should um, prioritise as a, as a baseline. So they're not the habits that I'm talking about compromising on or not adding to your, to your systems. But for me, I lead, I think, quite a healthy lifestyle. And then to add more, we're trying to optimise with these habits. I'd argue all three of us are in a space of trying to optimise. So we're trying to get the next 5%, 10%, out of ourselves with these little nuanced habits, those ones are the ones which I've found difficult to implement when the environment around me is like a little bit um, more fragile than usual. I and wonder, yeah. Joey, I'm just thinking out loud here because I know that for me this would be a yes and a no, but I wonder that is it harder to remove habits that are dopamine-inducing? And I would, I'd have to think yes because I think... For me, it's easier to um, commit to a habit that induces a, a dopamine reaction post like new exercise or, or doing something that's good for me like connection or this or that. But like dopamine is something that you do get from sitting in front of a screen and you know watching a show or scrolling the internet. Yeah. It's why it's so addictive. And I think to remove that and almost replace it with a, a state of peace in which you sit still mm and calm yourself and get ready for bed is so difficult because it's kind of like well you're pulling something away from me that i know feels good mm -hmm. and like has this instant um reward and i'm replacing it with like nothing it's almost yeah. like when you're hungry and your parents are like have a glass of water <laughs> yes yes it so is like that and so i wonder like is that there's definitely habits that i've struggled to implement that are dopamine inducing but I think to take something that gives you that is a real challenge. Put the shapes away, Brad, and have some water. Yeah. The chicken crimpy's got me again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I haven't really thought of it like that, to be honest. And I guess whilst it is dopamine inducing, you know, being on social media or watching, you know, an episode of your favourite show before bed, whatever, I know that it, it the trade-off is worse for me. So I just thought, let me get rid of the dopamine-inducing thing. Even though it feels good, it's, you know, ruining my sleep or it's, it's, I'm, it's ruining my productivity. I'm spending too much time on it, whatever it might be. So I just naturally thought, you remove the thing and then try to get more comfortable without it. But you know, in saying that... I think you need to give yourself some credit there for the self-awareness to actually do that and not get sucked into the dopamine vortex. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't really do the habit too successfully, but <laughs> <laughs> self-awareness is, is good. But yeah, I would have liked to, to like be a little bit more um, consistent with it. And I'll continue to do this. Like, I think 
this generally will be better for me because I don't need to be on screens after nine. And I think it'll be about just getting used to being off screens um, and comfortable with a little bit less dopamine or a little bit of boredom or a little bit of, you know, stagnancy. But that stagnancy can turn into peace and calm and quiet. And that ultimately is what I'm looking for. And I think one of, one of my 30-day um, challenges from the years prior was Sunday was a dopamine detox. And that was something which was very difficult for me to do, which I don't even think, I think I scrapped it because I was like, so you're telling me all of Sunday, I'm not going to listen to music. I'm not going to listen to a podcast or audio book. I'm not going to watch anything on YouTube. I'm not going to be on my phone for social media. I want my, I want to have a complete dopamine reset so that when the week ahead comes, I'm not craving all of these little dopamine fixes. Instead, I'm more content with just waking up, being in the day and not having the cues of my brain to tell me, hey, we need to get stimulated, we need to get stimulated, we need to get stimulated. And apparently that's the neuroscience of it. The more dopamine you have, the more dopamine you want. The addiction of these cheap dopamine fixes that we have, especially earlier on in the day, create a dependency for it throughout the day. So in the first hour and a half of your day, if you don't, you know, um, give yourself this cheap dopamine fix, you won't actually um, be craving it as much throughout the rest of the day. Mm. But if I wake up and I'm straight into my emails, I'm straight into a quick scroll on socials, and then I'm in the shower playing music, I've just like fed myself overindulged in dopamine. And so then when I take that away for 40 minutes, half an hour, 15 minutes, my brain is going, hey, 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 we started the day with all of this like amazing dopamine and we're like, our, our neurons are firing. We need to maintain that throughout the day now. It's almost like the coffee crash. If you have a coffee early, you're going to need to have more coffee throughout the day to maintain the energy. But if you hold off on the coffee, you might not need to have a coffee. You'll have the energy organically. Yeah, I'm pretty so, sure I heard a <coughs> Huberman clip of that saying pretty much exactly what you said, like they are our first source of dopamine is what we crave the most throughout the day. Mm. Mm. So what if that first source of dopamine can come in the form of something really um, subtle or healthy, whether it might be, yeah, reading a page of a book. That feels like a little bit more, a little bit less like stimulating. It feels like the glass aggressive. of water propaganda. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little, feel, I don't know, it feels like a, a calmer ease into the day. But to answer your question before, Brad, about um, the emotional or the physical aspect of adopting mm. the habit, I think there also is a physical element to the environment that you're in when you're trying to create a habit. I have quite a, um, as a freelance cinematographer and model, my schedule chops and changes. Mm. So if I was trying to implement a habit that required me to be in a certain place at a certain time, I'm likely going to fail at that habit because my physical environment just doesn't support that. Mm. For example, you know, I need to get, I need to, um, you know, I need to do this type of exercise every day for the next 30 days. Well, then what if I'm out of town in a hotel and I don't have access to the equipment that I've told myself I need to use in order to do this exercise? It's just unrealistic then. So you've got to ask yourself what your environment can support. And I think that, 
question needs to also take into account your emotional environment. Mm. Asking someone in grief to then implement a, a challenging habit or to take away a, a, a destructive habit which is might need all of their resources. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I think there needs to be a question about how simplified and how big the habit we're asking ourselves to change is. It's interesting that you said before when you got back home and it was a little bit late and by the time you'd eaten dinner, it's 8.30 and you're like, oh, I've missed out on like my opportunity to scroll social and, mm. and be involved in that. It's something I definitely relate to, like not, not jumping into my side of discussion here, but like last night, um, we spent some time with friends. So for night was great. We'd been to the footy, had a great night sitting around having a cup of tea, like a genuine great chat. And it was kind of 9.30 and I'm about to get into bed and I'm like, oh, it's an hour and a half after I'm not supposed to touch social, but I haven't touched social all night. I better quickly check. Mm. And it's almost like I felt like I was missing out on something. And I'm like, but I've just had like real life connection, which was great. So why does it, and it's just such a, it's such a bad habit that my mind was like, unless you've had this social media connection, today well if you haven't had as much you need it like you need to get it it's the drug man it's honestly the drug because in reality you don't check your phone it sits there for the next eight hours while you're asleep you wake up you're gonna have the same dms or you're gonna have the same joe rogan sent you whatever it might be (laughs) so like what are we really missing out on just by just wait till the morning check it in the morning when the day's reset and we yeah, and in, Bra- in, Brad's mind, in Brad's mind, he's probably like Joe Rogan's DM me and he's like, you've got three hours to reply. Yeah. You've well, got I'm three hours to reply or you're never coming on the podcast. <laughs> and that's, that's the... Lucky the, I checked my phone. Yeah, that's the, the, I guess, the culture that we've created, which is like instant, instant, instant. And I even feel it, you know, in business. If I send an email to one of my clients, I'm almost like, all right, I want to an instant email back like it's an instant message but i remember when i first got into the work workforce out of uni so this is you know six plus years ago i was um you would send an email and then you were just kind of happy to get a response by the end of the day Mm. now if i don't get a response by the end of the day i'm kind of like hey they're slacking like guys communications um not at the level that we expect at the moment it's like Give the guy three hours to respond. Yeah. Give him yeah. four hours. Give him a day. Who knows? They could be on set filming as well. And so we feel like we're either missing out or we need someone else to be like on our clock. We need the answer mm. straight away. Everything needs to be so instant. And I think that is because we create this this culture of like quick dopamine fix, quick dopamine fix, quick responses, quick answers. Mm. Go, 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 go. There's no, There's never room for slow. So, yeah, I definitely think adding room for slow was the reason behind me taking away as a habit as opposed to trying to add something. I think that, like, obviously all three of us are in professional worlds in which social media elevates what we do. Like, Mm -hmm. cinematography and modelling is about capturing a story or an image in which can then be put on these digital platforms to engage people what I do with the pod and speaking is promoted and grows off the back of social media. What you do, Ferns, owning an alcohol business is about sharing those moments so people engage with your product. And so I think that there's a level of necessity in this day and age 
maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is another way. But for me, it feels like there's a level of necessity to that that media or that medium, I should say. But I seen a thing yesterday which really made me think about it. It was friend of the podcast, Bill Goldsmith. You've met Bill Ferns. You come for a run with us. And Bill is one of those guys that doesn't engage in social media that much and kind of pops up more, posts some stuff about his running. It's like his real passion and or his van rebuild, but really doesn't engage all that much. And Bill put up a thing just saying that like, when did it become essential that when we're out experiencing something with friends that we have to video every time a new meal comes out or that we have to like take so many videos or recordings of that moment and post it on social media for other people to see. It's almost as though it's like it's a must do now and the moment can't be enjoyed for what it is unless there was some proof that you were there. And it made me think because I'm definitely guilty of that. And it just made me think that like, okay, well, if this thing is a tool for me professionally and some, some of what I do personally, I want to share because for me, one of the things I love is I love going back to social and going like, I remember so when we had that holiday in Noosa, how great that was. Let's go back. Remember when we posted like those couple of pictures, like I want to look at that and remember that moment because it was great, mm. but I don't need to do that every day. You can also just look at your camera roll. Well, that is, that is true. And so maybe it's just, and I'm not saying that I'm going to, don't fucking hold me to this. I'm not giving up on, <laughs> on social, but I'm like, I need to get more balance with it because it definitely like is so addictive. So hard to stop. A, a double-edged sword. Like it has so much upside potential, but then also has, as you said, going to bed. Like you can't help but check it. I'd say that's a having a neg- negative effect on you. But think of all the upside potential being able to market your podcast, all that. Mm. Try to figure out that middle ground where social media works for you, but it's not controlling you. Yeah, and also I think like there is so much like this week alone, right? Between the, the three of us on our group chat on Insta, there's been some like really positive and like. I think important clips that the three of us have shared. Isn't that the worst when you're like, I don't want to be doom scrolling. And then you just see a gem (laughs) and you're like, it was all worth it because this, this, whatever it is, this, this video or this snippet just blew my mind. And you're like, well, if I didn't scroll for so long, which I hated myself for doing, but then I found the thing. So it kind of like justifies it. Mm, and then like I can send it to you guys and then we discuss it. But how much are we losing out on to find like a, the thing? A, a positive sure. negative reinforcement. Yeah. It, well, it's such if, a challenge. If I relate it to sport, I remember when I used to play um, competitive sport and you've got that one kid that he doesn't listen to the coach and he, he hogs the ball and he, he runs it when he should have passed it and he's always taking shots from stupid angles to try to get in the goal and you're always just throwing your hands up like come on but then he nails one <laughs> and you win the game and you win the game and you're like i can't say shit yeah because he's all of the the nine ten attempts that he should have shouldn't have taken doesn't mean anything because he just scored and won the game so what can i say and then the say coach shit. says jimmy you've really got to start passing the ball and he goes we won didn't we exactly <laughs> And that's the, that's, we won, didn't we? Is in the form of a beautiful quote that you're like, wow, that just changed my perspective on anything. Oh, there was actually a moment this week where I wanted to send you both a clip. 
and I had to, <laughs> it was, it was after or before my, I think it was morning, it was before my social media allowance began. And I was like, if I send this, the boys know that I've failed today. Do I send it? And I was like, I've got to send it. <laughs> I'll set an alarm and send it after night. <laughs> but yeah, that's me in a nutshell in terms of the habit that I tried to, to employ. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I think there's so much of that that's super relatable to me. The thing, and probably the reason I took a lot of interest in asking you the question about it, the thing that's been most relevant to me during this challenge or this um, goal to take a bad habit from my life, which for me was to not be on social media before eight in the morning or after eight in the evening. And my reason, my justification for that being my challenge that I was going to try and implement was that I feel as though I often sit and scroll too much in the morning before I go for a run and I'm scrolling for no particular reason other than to check notifications and just see what's happening on social. But I find it takes too much of my time. I get caught in the doom scroll and of an evening I'm like multitasking in a, in a way that's not positive at all in where, you know, Soph and I might be watching a show together or we're having a conversation and I find myself just being distracted by my phone. So it's like I'm not even focusing on the one thing that we chose to do. So I was like, I want to remove this from my life and try to become like, I don't need to post anything or do anything before or after those hours for work. So try and become a little bit more um, disciplined with my social media use. Now, the thing that I didn't realize is that as was sort of two days into my new work experience that we took this challenge on board and decided to focus on habits and so if you didn't catch the last episode of three mates um, I sort of disclosed that I was going to be starting some Monday to Friday real estate again so nine to five in the office and you know allowing that to be a, a financial resource to keep head above water whilst I continued to pursue my dreams. Now I said that I wasn't going to have a limiting mindset around it because I wanted to go back and you know try to get the most out of the experience that I could positively but when I tell you that it's been a really challenging two weeks like it's really tested me mentally um, it's tested my spirit my soul and so I found that that question I asked you Joey like has the environment affected the ability to remove a bad habit from your life or implement a new one the environment's really affected me. So what I found is that before, before I started this job two weeks ago, I was at home all day working on the stuff that I'm really passionate about. So the podcast and my speaking. And so I would check social throughout the day, but most of the time I was focused on my work. I love my work and you know, I'm sinking my teeth into a podcast that I've just recorded or I'm reaching out, looking for opportunities to move my career forward. So I'm fully passionate I'm all in but I've now gone to a position where right now the real estate industry is super slow and so basically from nine to five I'm almost twiddling my thumbs you know like it's it's very slow there's not a lot happening and um, that's just the market that's the the market we're in at the moment and so I found myself consuming more social media than ever like I, I'd be scared to see my screen time like it would have to be over seven and a half eight hours a day which is full on. Um, Literally a full day's work. Yeah, like it's it's pretty full on. And 
I've become more dependent on it than ever. And Soph and I had a conversation the other day where we'd been for a walk in the morning and Soph and I were just talking about how we're really in a phase of trying to develop careers that we love so that we never feel as though the holidays we take or the decisions we make are based on a need to escape, but rather just excitement for adventure that we don't want escapism to be something that we seek because we want to love the life that we live day by day. You know, we want to set up ideal lives. And for me, social media has become such an element of escapism. And there's two reasons. Yes, it has been slow at work and which means that got a little bit of time on my hands whilst I'm there but also just because I think I've been like so emotionally challenged by this time I'm just trying to escape my head so for me the thing that really hit it on the head so I guess if I talk about the the habit it's been really tough to implement I'd say there's been a couple of days where I've got it right there'd be a couple of days where eight o'clock come and I put the phone down and was like all right that's sweet I'm not going to touch it and I was able to do that but I found it probably harder in the morning knowing what's ahead of me you know I think it was the first day I come home from work and I just I felt so depleted because I just knew straight away that it was going to be a really hard road ahead to like comprehend that my life was whilst I was in the office Monday to Friday I wasn't moving any closer towards my dream and so and maybe even that's a limiting mindset in itself but just I guess expressing how I feel about it all right now I was sitting in the office the other day and scrolling social media and a clip popped up and I shared the clip with you guys it was a a movie up in the air and it was a scene from that movie um, it involved George Clooney and another actor and I believe the context of the clip was George Clooney was the boss and he was firing this other guy. And he says to this other guy, he says, do you know why kids love athletes? And the guy goes, I don't know, because they screw lingerie models. And he goes, no, that's why we love athletes. But kids love athletes because they follow their dreams. And he said, you've got on your resume that you studied the French culinary arts. And this guy goes, yeah, what's your point? And he said, well, you studied that and whilst most of your class left that degree and went and worked at KFC, you waited tables at this fancy fresh restaurant because you wanted to be around the people who inspired you. You wanted to be around the thing that your dream was in. And he said, but then you came to work here. He said, so let me ask you, what did they pay for you to give up on your dreams? And he goes, 27 grand. And then he says... You've got an opportunity right now. Most people clock in at nine and clock out at five every day for the rest of their lives and never have a moment of happiness. He said, I'm going to give you that opportunity to go and chase your dreams. Mm. And that clip stopped. And it's like my brain just like went to another place. And I remembered walking to work um, a couple of mornings before it and I was having a conversation with dad on the phone. I call my dad every morning that I walk up to work and my mom... And I was talking to my dad and he was asking me about how the first couple of days at work had been. And I was just telling him about it and he stopped me without me even saying anything about the fact that I was finding it hard or difficult. And he stopped me and he said to me, Brad, make me a promise you don't give up on your dreams. And I was like, Phew. and I was like, yeah, I promise. And as I was sitting there at the desk, 
I wrote down like on my, I take my journal to work with me every day and I wrote down in my journal, I was like, dad, dash, promise me you won't give up on your dreams. And I was like, I wrote underneath, I promise. And I was like, man, it was so hard for me. Like that was a Monday, last Monday. And Soph come by to pick me up in the car and go have some lunch. And I got in the car and I was like, I need to show you this clip. And I showed her the clip and I was like tearing up. And then I come home from work that day and I was a guest on a podcast. It's called the Big Bros Podcast. It'll be out by the time this is. And I had two guys, Ilan and Jeremy, who interviewed me and asked me about my story. And I don't know how we got onto it, but they asked me essentially why I do what I do and why it's really important to me. And you know, like that feeling when you know, like it might be that, you know, we all, we all know how powerful a feeling can be. It could be that, you know, you lie in bed next to the person you love and you just know they're your person because you can feel it in your bones. It might be that, you know, when you're out running, you know you love running because of the feeling it gives you. For me, there's a feeling that when I sit behind the mic or I stand on stage and I'm like, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, this is what I love. Like, to hear someone's story, to share a story, to know the impact that that can have on people or to see that, to see an emotional reaction in a crowd where you know that you've touched someone and that they're going to think differently about their life from there on out is a feeling that I can't explain, but I just know that that's where I'm meant to be. And so the guys asked me about that and I told them about that clip and about that moment and I fucking wept. Mm. Like we thought the eulogy moment was tears this was like a lot of tears and i couldn't stop and it was just such a visceral reaction and i think the reason it's been so hard for me at the moment to remove social media from my life is because i'm looking for a distraction i'm looking for mostly when i'm at work and i would say that even though i've been 50 50 on the ability to implement it at home that when I'm at work, I've consumed more than I have in a long time because I just, frankly, I don't want to be there. And that's maybe the wrong thing to say because I'm so grateful that I've got a job and an opportunity to make some money. But I just I know it's not where my destiny is. I know it's not what I'm meant to do. So it's been so challenging to remove that thing from my life. The thing that I've had to really focus on is the the habits that I maintain, all those systems that I maintain. And so for me, the thing that's allowed me to literally survive, and it sounds, fuck, it sounds precious because it's been two weeks. Mm. But the thing that's allowed me to survive is every morning I have to see the sunrise. Mm. Like I just have to get outside and see the sunrise. And I made a commitment that I wanted to start, like for me, the running stuff is easy. So I've been running heaps. Like we ran 32 or 30Ks last weekend, 20Ks this weekend. Like we've been right. doing some, like, yeah, right. little gloat moment there. <laughs> we've been doing some big runs, but I've been running like four or five days a week. In fact, five days a week, six days a week the other week. And that's not how my, I'm supposed to be running a little bit less than that at the moment. And I was supposed to be going to the gym twice a week. But it's been really hard for me to go to the gym because I can't put myself under a roof before I'm going to do that for the rest of the day. I'm like, I crave in the morning, seeing the sunrise, going for a run in the fresh air, jumping in the water, grabbing a coffee and like that couple of hours that like it's, 
me and you guys doing that or it's me and Soph doing that or even sometimes it's been me by myself mm. is the thing that makes me feel like I've had a bit of me in the morning. You mentioned it to us um, probably two weeks ago now when we had coffee and your wording in the message was interesting to me. You said, thanks for the, the coffee this morning, boys. These mornings, um, these mornings have become crucial for me. Mm. And so it's all perspective, right? Mm. Because those mornings weren't crucial to you before. We loved them. They were beautiful things that we also had the ability to be grateful for. But then when you can be in a space where they are potentially being taken away or compromised, the value in them just shines through. Mm. And you're like, these elements of my life are crucial. They're essential. I need to be able to run. Yeah. I need to be able to see my friends. I need to be able to um, live in a certain way. And so taking note of those things is like the ultimate reminder to you in this space. It's the duality of it. You probably better than most can see those things even when things are good because mm. of your health concerns. You understand all the amazing things you need. But how many of us, until the things are taken away, don't understand how much we need them or how much we should have valued them? And I think I mentioned to you, if anything, being in this space now, um, for not forever, for an amount of time that you signed up for yourself, I signed a contract, I need to be working for the next X amount of months, whatever it might be, for a reason. That is going to like reinvigorate, if it hasn't already, this like version 2.0 of you thought I was hungry before for the podcast. Mm. I had to change my lifestyle and it reminded me of what I was avoiding, mm. what I didn't want. Man, I'm going to another level which even you thought you might not have had. Mm. We spoke about it on one of the podcasts before about we can all be doing more. Like we can for sure be yeah. doing more. And now you're just like, you're caged because of these hours in the day which you now want to be doing more mm. because the hours were taken away from you. You had all the hours in the day to be working on podcasts and doing whatever you needed to do to progress your speaking. And now you're forced to be in an environment where you can't do that, where you have to be at, at work or you have to be doing other things. You're just like caged, claustrophobic. For sure. And to hold that feeling, I feel like that feeling to actually like sit in it, that is going to be the fuel for the next level of you and the podcast when time is right and when you are financially stable enough to move out of that space and just remembering like i knew how that felt to not be able to do this now i'm not going to waste a fucking second and i say this with enthusiasm in my voice but sometimes i need that i've been freelancing and self-employed for nine years now and I sometimes get a little bit complacent instead of thinking, what if this was taken away and I had to work for someone else and I had to show up in a certain place, nine to five? Not a chance. Like if I, if I had that, like that, it's not fear, but it's like just ultimate gratitude of being like, I want to craft the exact life 
And I think that's what you're getting now. And it's like, 100%. it's super uncomfortable. And it's, mm. and it's, it's depressive and it's miserable and it's uncertain. But it's also necessary because you're going to harness the energy that you feel of being like, these days are crucial. These coffees are crucial. My running is crucial. All of this is like going to be this bundle of energy that I think you're going to remember forever and it's going to actually propel you forward. And if any second you think, oh, maybe I'll rest on my laurels, you'll be like, nah, we're moving to, you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. The energy of it, it's fucked now. Excuse my language. But if you didn't have this feeling, it's not going to propel you as far in the next stage. It's been incredible from my perspective. Mm. You know, there's something that... um, guy that I'm a massive fan of, Will Gooch, incredible runner, amazing story. Will talks about how his passion and, frankly, ability as a runner was born from the pain of losing his mum. Yeah. That when he wanted to cry or be angry or be mad at the world, instead he put on a pair of sneakers and ran out the door and used that pain to develop purpose, Mm. to propel his purpose. And I am more motivated than ever. Like I'm hungrier than ever to do what I love. And it's, it's not, I know that we all say this from a place, not of um, thinking less of the people who work nine to five, because a lot of people love that. Like I know there's plenty of people who in my office environment love their job. Like I'd say it's pretty common that most people love their job in that space. But I think when you've experienced what you do love and you don't get to do it, like, it's like I imagine someone saying to me, hey, got to take Soph away from you, but here's this other person. I'm like, I don't want that other person. <laughs> I love Soph. That's the thing I love. That's Give me the thing analogy, I love. Though. That's a wild that's analogy. That's a wild analogy. But I'm like, but that's how I almost I think you put too much it. thought into that one. No, I didn't. But that's how I think of it. I'm like, imagine if like that thing that you deeply love is taken away from you and someone tries to replace it with something else. It can never, po- it can never feel right. Well, is there... Is there a um, is there a timeline in how long you'll be in this space for? Like, have you do you have some sort of metric or indicator at play that you're like, we're getting closer to not having to be in this space, or you know whether it's a financial goal or whether it's um, an amount of time? Because if you do have that, that can almost be like on a grand scale, like the ultimate habit challenge. Of being like, this habit's hard, but I'm doing it for the next 12 months. Mm. And just like you made the commitment or whatever it is, realizing whether it does or doesn't serve your life and then going, what did I learn from the habit? Mm. We're doing it on a weak scale of being like, oh man, it's hard. It's inconsistent. I'm not really, I'm struggling with this habit change. And then when the habit's over, we can reflect on it and get the gems. Well, what did we learn? Mm. You know, maybe that's this, this exaggerated mm. experiment. No, I think that's a, a good question. What metric could you have to determine whether you're winning or losing? So when you're in the office and feeling stressed, you like, might, might feel uncomfortable, but you might be winning by whatever metric you're using to measure. It's worth it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's for me, there's definitely um, a measure in my head or a level in which I can then go and do what I love full time again. Mm. And that looks like a couple of different things. It looks like either a 
a contracted option in my space or it looks like um, a level of consistency which then allows us to have a safety net of savings and then pursue more of what I do and it's it's funny because it's a weird thing that like when you feel like you're at the cliff's edge of it where in the best way we're like more than ever we spoke about it before and I don't want to disclose too much because there's some exciting people coming on the pod in the coming like month and it's like crazy for me to even think but all stuff that we planned and spoke about for a long time mm. and I look at that and I'm like <laughs> and I look at that stuff and I'm like oh, I am so close like if you told me this a year ago I'd go oh I'm get that's so close mm. to being at a point in which this is like really a serious thing and like even recently the big one for me was Charlie Teo the neurosurgeon like Charlie done two podcasts me and Mark Burris and then he done the big network programs like 60 minutes of current affairs spotlight but we're the only two independent media sources that he spoke to and so for me, I was like, and like the conversation was all across national telly. And I'm like, man, this little podcasting that I created three and a half years ago is referenced on the news four times a day for the Wild. last week. Wild. So I'm like, that's pretty crazy. So I'm like, oh, I'm actually starting to have an impact to the point where this is like my uncle, weird story, sidebar story. My uncle was at the airport the other day recognized this dude who was sitting at the end of the, his table as Nick McKenzie from 60 Minutes mm. and took the opportunity to absolutely plug the shit out of me in my podcast. <laughs> yes, and I then am. this guy is like... This has got to be your dad's brother, is it? No, mum's. Oh. But he talks like he can... Like a fish can talk underwater. And Uncle Blackie's like, oh, he just had Charlie Teo on. Then all of a sudden this guy's like, oh, shit. Okay. They're checking me out. They're like, we've got to send this to our colleagues. And I'm like, man, this guy has been voted like journalist best journalist in the country like a couple of times and I'm like I'm starting to like get in front of people who have genuine respect in this space so it's really interesting to see this getting to that point but just not knowing when it's going to happen that I can be full-time is like the thing that I'm going to have to figure out but it's definitely motivated me and I'm trying to use the pain or the the challenge to really drive home the purpose and so for me now the question has been well, what I don't want to do, it's a Tony Robbins quote that I love, that pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. What I don't want to do is suffer through the time mm. in which I feel an element of pain or in the places where I feel an element of pain. So what habits can I take on board so that when I feel like this is really a challenge, this is really a stretch, that I don't go to negative things that are going to make me go home frustrated. And it makes it worse, right? Like, For sure, it's compounding. And we, we know that the more time I spend on social, the more irritable I am, the more distraction, distracted I become. Brad, just going for a quick scroll now, me mid pod. We know all of those things the same way that if I finish this block of chocolate, I'm going to feel sick after. Mm. So I feel like that's to circle back around the value in these habits for you now. And I guess similar to me, in a... I guess a less than ideal emotional landscape going through a few things. The habits right now are probably more important than ever because we don't want to add to our pain. <laughs> you don't want to add to, sure. our, to our issues. We want to, you know, support ourselves to be out of them. So, so scrolling definitely. I'm right. going to set myself a new challenge here. 
on the pod, when you mm-hmm. have it to maintain. So what I found last week, Drum roll, please. Yeah, <laughs> was when I was really emotional about everything, and I had that bit of a breakdown on the Monday night. The next morning, I woke up and all I wanted to do was scroll social media. Mm. Like I was sitting down, getting ready for a run, and I'm like, all I want to do is scroll social, and I could feel like this irk in my chest like literally the night i was going to bed after that i said to sofa i felt like i've never had anxiety but i felt like i was breathing heavy and my heart rate was high mm. and i was like almost like getting a little p- bit panicky and i was just like thinking too much about the negative shit and like i'm such a pos- positive character like i'm not a pessimist at all i'd like to think i'm the furthest thing from that i'm such an optimist and I was like, when I got up in the morning, I was like, oh, I just want to scroll and distract myself. I'm like, nah, like I feel this and I don't know how to explain the feeling, but I'm going to write something. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there and I just got my notes out and I'm like, if I can somewhat put this into words or something that describes how I feel, maybe I'll compute it better. And so I literally wrote this. Just so everyone knows this is in bold as well in his notes. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's in titles. <laughs> Um, I didn't give myself time to space it out. I just punched on the paper. So I wrote, and, and actually I'll just preface quickly. The night before, I just started getting really insecure. Like I was just questioning myself and like just making some stupid comments about myself that just were so negative. And I'm like, and I was thinking like, where did all this come from? So the morning I was writing, I wrote this. I feel my most insecure when I'm enduring a lifeless endeavor when my existence and actions are out of line with my dreams and future capabilities. In environments where passion and inspiration lacks, so do I. Without inspiration, the seeds of belief and confidence do not breach the soil. That little whisper of self-doubt deep within my mind finds its voice and it's amplified. My sense of self is a product of my passion for life, or in some cases, lack thereof. Mm, And for me... I love that, bro. Well, it was so relatable because I thought, when have I felt like this before? And there was a couple moments I could draw back on. And it was for the first time ever when I was living in Melbourne and I was away from my people and I was in a job that was just for me so stressful and not aligned with who I was or where I wanted to go. And there was just no passion there for, for life anymore. Then, you know, when I come back and when I left real estate the first time, and then weirdly, the other time that I was in real estate, so <laughs> the writing is somewhat on the wall that there's areas, and I don't actually think it's the work itself, but I think it's rather for me, this knowing that I have passion, deep love and purpose in other pursuits. And so it's, it's how can I then take the challenge of the moment and find a way to you know, dive further into passion, purpose, the inspirational things that for me set my soul on fire and I think it's why I've had someone ask me recently they said have you found it hard going back to work Monday to Friday to then come home and work on the podcast it's actually been the opposite Mm -hmm. like I've been so excited to like sink my teeth into a pod or to book the next guest or to edit up a clip like more than ever and I think it's because because of that and then also like I feel like my relationship with Soph is even stronger than it was because I realize how important that is yeah, the perspective when yeah like it's on. it's like to just be super present with her and like god bless her little soul she's been coming up every lunchtime to come for a walk with me for 40 minutes in the sun mm-hmm. 
And like that for me is like I look forward to that every like every day. I'm like I get to go for a walk with Soph and just soak in the sun and have a chat. And so those little things that are very passion driven for me and have so much purpose behind them have become all the more important. So to disclose my challenge for the next period of time, what I want to do is every day when I feel compelled to go into that deep doom social social scroll, what I want to actually do is get creative and put my pen to the paper and just really write about where I'm at, what I want from my life, how I'm feeling. I just want to share words on paper and I've done a bit of that. I've always journaled on and off. I'd say I've never consistently done it every day or at least not for a while. But I find that when I'm actually expressing how I feel in, in journaling, I feel really good about where I'm at. It allows me to make real sense of it. And sometimes it allows me to read the words back on the paper and go, mate, that's so ridiculous. Like the fact that you've justified that in your head makes no sense when you put it out on paper and get remove it. Yeah, from yeah. that space like when you don't hold on to it and you just dump it here on this piece of paper and you look at the and you read that back it sounds so silly yeah. so forget about that that's ridiculous that's not going to serve you move on or man i feel better about reading that because now that makes sense to me mm-hmm. and so that little piece there which i wrote in my notes um then went and wrote in my journal and i think i put out a thread um, follow me on threads by the way <laughs> um, and shared on social just for me made a heap of sense and I you know I don't know I'd never thought of it that way before and you felt better for it like when you wrote it down you're like you know it was therapeutic for you to write it down like that and it, share it it made sense to me because there was this thing in my head for the whole last week and am I just am I just weak yeah okay like man like what's your excuse for like feeling so down about the situation you're in right now like you signed up for this no one forced you in here you signed up this was a decision that you made why don't you feel okay about it why can't you you just suck it up and stick it out everyone else in here smiling why aren't you yeah and for me it just it made so much sense that all i can think about is this thing that i love yeah see i i'd imagine that i and i'm learning from your experience now too because I'd imagine I'd have very, very similar feelings. Um, and it's really hard to speak on it without sounding you know, precious or like we're putting shit on other people that live that sure. life. But ultimately, you know, our spirit is going to feel comfortable where it feels comfortable. Mm. And not everyone's spirit... It was comfortable in certain spaces and it might for some time and then it might for not and it might not for another time but i'm listening to um a guy called john delaney at the moment um i've just stumbled across his podcast and he speaks about um i wrote in my notes about the body the body has a language and so i think this is something that might relate to you brad but um, I wrote in my notes based off the stuff you're saying. So trust your body, trust your body, your gut, your sleep, your skin, your energy. It will give you the answers you know and need. Mm. And I think being in a certain space, um, whilst it might look and feel great to some people, we have to trust how our spirit feels in that space. For sure. And it's like, is it supporting our spirit? Is it not? And if it's, yeah, I think... 
yeah, I think you know that. But it's it's crazy, and I and I want to give a shout out to you both because you come to mind when I was really processing this last week. I I've got this thing where like Soph will come into the bathroom when I'm having a shower, and I just talk to her. I just it's like a deep thought space where I just share my thoughts. <laughs> it's like a think tank, but it's a shower. And I said to Soph, I'm like, it's crazy because like you said, so many people love, thrive and look for opportunities in that space, in the corporate space. Like I know a lot of people talk about the excitement to get out of uni Mm. or to get out of training or study and go work in the corporate environment. Like they love it. I know so many people like that and like power to you. But for me personally, I was like, it's crazy that like, am I weird for just being like, so not wanting to be there like originally when i went into it i was all for it and i loved it for a time but now i'm like oh like i, I know that this isn't the place for me but then i said to Soph, it's crazy because literally my best friends are all doing these things that are so out of line and so not Uncommon. like they're so less ordinary right so if i look at you two guys you've both had the balls to go <laughs> there's this thing that we love that we want to create a business in and we want to do that, like Joey, for you with your cinematography and your modeling. Like, not that's not like a normal job that a lot of people do. Mm. It's so different. It's so creative and it's so bold. And I'm like, it's inspiring for me to see you have gone down that path for nine years now. And doing it <coughs> kind of unknowingly because I kind of just looked up and go, oh shit, I've created this life. But when I tracked back, I was just making decisions based off of what felt right for me in my spirit. And when I was for the 18 months straight out of uni working in the corporate world and I felt, it sounds like a little bit woo, but I, I felt like I had less soul. I had mm. less amp. I had, my personality was being diminished and I had to listen to that. And I go, oh, fuck it. I'm 20. Like I've got nothing to lose. I'm bouncing. And I'm just going to chase this dream naively and confidence that probably was unfounded. But I just went after it because that's what my body was telling me, what my gut was telling me. And I kept doing that and I kept doing that and I kept doing that. And now I look back and go, oh shit, look what I created from like listening to my spirit the whole time. For sure. But even now I I question my spirit. Got me this far and then my spirit would be telling me certain things. I'm like, oh, that's a bit scary. Nah, oh no, that might have some consequences. Bro, you just, when I was younger, I just listened to it and I didn't even question it. For sure. And it it worked out. It's crazy. When then I look at you, Ferns, you left a job as an engineer. And like engineer is that job that people talk about. It's so safe and it's consistent and this and that. And you studied that and you went and worked in that environment and walked away from it to create an alcohol brand. Like that's crazy. If someone said that, that's the thing that like, Dill Buckley said to me that like, when you create a podcast is when people really start worrying about you. <laughs> and I'm like, when you create a Gunay company, like a company that's based off like a wine cocktail in a can or in a cask at the time you started it, like people would go, that's nuts. But like you're here and you're doing it and you're figuring it out. And I'm always like, I always say to Soph, I'm so inspired by Ferns has this ability to feel the full force of a challenge, which he doesn't know the answer to, but he always finds an answer. Like you've got that foresight that you're like, this is fucking tough. Not everyone's doing this. I don't know who to lean on because I don't have any friends who have given me a blueprint for this, but this is this thing that I love and I've dedicated a big part of my life to it. I'm going to pursue it. Mate, well, I worked in corporate for three years, so I can definitely relate to a lot of the things that you're going through now. And when I worked in corporate, I just look around at everyone there. I was probably the youngest in the office when I was maybe 24 or 25 at this time. <clears throat> everyone around me 
was kind of 40 with kids and I'd look around and I was like, every person here is only here because they have kids that they have to fund and they have mortgage repayments. It's like, no one genuinely wants to be here. Mm. Like you walk into the office in the morning, say hello to someone, they're like, eh, no, they don't kind of say hello. Like no one really wants to be here. And I kind of looked around and I was like, I've got this idea. I think it might work. I've got no idea if it'll work or not. All I don't know for sure is I can't be a full-time engineer and launch a successful alcohol company. It's got to be one or the other. And I was like, looked at someone who was a senior engineer with like 30 years experience. And I was like, what's the difference between an engineer that has 30 years experience or 25? I was like, it's the exact same fucking thing. Mm. I was like, I can always come back to this, but I've got a limited opportunity now where I can execute. I can, I can hit rock bottom now and it doesn't affect anyone else. And I was like, I'm not going to have these opportunities for the rest of my life. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep going down this. And then when I made a decision to leave, I said, I'm just going to keep going down this path until I hit a hurdle I can't jump. And that was three years ago. And I still got a mountain in front of me. I've got no idea how I'm going to climb it, but I haven't tripped over yet. Man, I think that's mad. Actually, and I've tripped over plenty of times, but I've still got fuel in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> the show goes on. But, I, but that's, and I love that. And like, when you look around and like, two of my other best mates, so I'd say I see you guys every week and then I see Zach and Blake every week and they're professional fucking athletes. So I look around me and there's nothing ordinary about the, so the inner circle of people I exist in and I love that because I'm like it it tells me that like if you have this dream if you have this passion don't let it die continue to nurture it continue to do what you need to do continue to throw fuel to that fire because eventually it will happen for you and there's a there's a quote that I know one of you boys flicked into the group chat this week and it was Alex Hormozzi, and I think he said the difference between people who win and don't is the people who win just don't give up. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. It definitely sounded better when I read Probably it. Probably would have been me that sounded and yeah. a bit different. Alex Hormozzi phase at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> a- Alex Hormozzi nut hugger phase <laughs> at the moment. Ult- ultimately, that's the exact same message that your dad gave you, man. For sure. Just don't stop dreaming. And when we shared gratitude letters with each other um, probably about a year or so ago now, I remember that being something that I just really wanted to, um, I guess, like gift you the way that I saw you as the dreamer, as this positive light. Like don't let the world, the challenges take that from you. Mm. And like, that's going to be a hard thing to take from you because I know that energy is so strong in you, Mm. but now of all times when you know the environment is kind of crushing you down a little bit and you it's just like remember that remember that remember who you are because that's how i see you to your core you are a dreamer man and we need that because that inspires me that inspires Mm. foons the fact that you're out here and i i had um i got pizza from darlando yesterday and the um the owner of the the company was asking me about you because he saw us he's on Saw us on three minutes. Yeah, Orlando. Yeah, yeah, Orlando. Yeah. He's like, he goes, how's Brad going? And then he started talking to me about it, and he and he was referencing one of the podcasts that you you just shot. And so it's like, there's value here, man. You're a dreamer, and you've created yeah. this thing, and it's actually, it's in effect. It's mm. alive. It's something that you have brought from a seed, and it's flowering, and maybe it's not a complete tree yet, but. Keep dreaming, man. Keep, keep pushing because... This is our perfect time to do the ad read for Orlando's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I don't know, I get not nervous, but I'm like, I just want to keep you in 
good That's spirits because we need you, bro. Like we need <laughs> you there like that because you're mm. such like such an inspiration to so many Appreciate people. It. And sometimes we need to get reminded that. But go back and read my gratitude letter I send you, mm. whatever it might be that you need. But I'm like, I'm telling you now, man, I second what your dad said. Like, don't give up on that dream. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Like, it means a lot. And actually, you just reminded me of something that I wanted to share with you too. I meant to share it with you the other day, but it just passed my mind. It was early in the morning. I was breaking my social media. <laughs> breaking um, fast. Habit where it was about six o'clock in the morning. Soph and I are about to walk out the door for a, a stroll and a coffee. And I just sent, I had like a message and request a new one and I clicked on it and it was this fella um, and I didn't know him and had never seen his face or or as far as I was aware had never received a message from him before and he had sent like a couple of video messages and I was just like oh this is interesting so I'm like and (laughs) so I used to um I used to send video messages to potential guests because I'm like it's kind of hard to not go "Hmm, really curious what's that so I clicked on fair play to the lad and and he just sent me like, it was him talking for a couple of minutes, just face to cam, just expressing just like incredibly kind gratitude for the podcast that we do. Wow. And was just talking about how the vulnerable conversations and the honest expression of thoughts and feelings from three guys who are mates and are just trying to show up and do their best in the world has like thoroughly helped him and had an impact on his life. Wow. And he's like, man, I feel like, I know you guys and I've never met you. And it was like a really moving message. And I kind of said to Sova, I couldn't help but smile. I was like, it's fucking cool. Like there's people out there who may never meet us face to face, who live their own lives and have their own challenges and their own shit. And like this thing that just has been a part of my life for three and a half years, that from the moment it began, like, really from the start i knew you i met you very shortly after it started and you guys have now become a consistent part of this like it's crazy that it's like it has that impact on people's lives that some people on tuesday morning will wake up and smile because they know there's going to be a new episode of this show out yeah and i'm like that's fucking special like and it's something not to not to give up on so i guess closing out my time talking because i feel like i've been talking forever (laughs) um just to say thank you to you both because the habits and the the changes and the systems that I build in my life um, are definitely easier and it's definitely more successful for having you guys in it. So, yeah, pass the, the baton on to you, right. Ferns, for the final Cut, leg. Of piss. <laughs> okay, go. Two, Two, one. Right. Intermission break over. We're back into it. All right, my turn to get into it. I'm going to kick my shoes off for this one. I like it. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I'm pretty nervous to get into this one because it's something I'm quite insecure about. So the habit that I told the boys was a bit of a curveball. It wasn't a lie. It was truth. But um, I said I was going to do four hours of deep work every day. So I have been implementing this probably over the last month. It's something I have been pretty consistent at where I'll set a task, set a timer for an hour and have no other mm. distractions and sit down. But that was kind of more of a curveball. I've been struggling again the last probably month or so with probably drinking too much. This is something that comes in the wake of well, 12 months ago. I had an unhealthy habit that put me in hospital and I've curved that and I have 
I've overcome that habit, but now it's just like I've swapped it out for another habit. There's been no fundamental changes at like a psychology level where it's just like one bad habit was gone and then I've just substituted with another one. So I feel as though like I need to make some better changes in my life or work out because I sat down about this and I was like, well, what habit, what habits can I get rid of or what habits are negatively impacting my life that if I got rid of them would make them a lot better and I couldn't actually write well, obviously I said drinking, but the thing is, if I take drinking away, drinking isn't the real problem, like the real problem's deeper than that. Like I've, once I take, I feel as though once like drinking's out of my life, then the real problems have a chance to arise, but I'm so scared of these problems that I always keep like kicking the can down the road. Yeah, it's, so I can't relate to that in the sense that no like you said before you're like when you're in that headspace before where you're like you know you said like you felt negative you felt pessimistic mm. oh, that's the headspace i get in when i want to escape and when i'm in that headspace it's like all my vices seem like irresistible like i can't say no to them like when i'm in a healthy good space it's easy for me to resist this stuff but when i get into that headspace like you said before like your chest is tight like you can't think properly it's like your iq goes to like two you're like it feels like it's never going to end when I'm in those head spaces, I feel that's what, when all my unhealthy habits become almost irresistible. Mm. I think we, we spoke about it um, the other day, Foons. And the awareness that you have now to realise that it's really got nothing to do with the vice. <clears throat> like you said, you can, get, you can get strong and, you know, kick drinking for a month or whatever it is. But then if you get into a space, you're just like either change the vice for something else, which is unhealthy, or just relapse. So it's like, it's not even about the vice per se. It's deeper than that. And I think that's the work you've done, which like I'll let you- Yeah, well, like over the last 10 years, I've, the amount of drinking that I've done would be deemed unhealthy by anyone's standards, but I've still always been able to achieve higher than average, so it's never been a problem. I've never had, well, up to like a week ago, I had a, well, I drank, over the weekend, then through the week, I felt I've never had this before, except till last week after like 10 years of drinking, I felt so guilty because I knew that I was drinking to cope. Like come mm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever it was, like I felt distressed. And like even before I started drinking, I knew that I was doing it for the wrong reasons, but I couldn't stop. And then through the week that followed, I felt so guilty because I knew, like I had the self-awareness to know that what I was doing was wrong. But before when I was younger, it was like I didn't have the self-awareness. So I never felt that guilt. But like yeah. that guilt hit me and I was like, holy shit, I've never felt this way from drinking before. And it wasn't even like the amount that I was drinking was nothing. Like I've drank way more than that before and haven't felt that bad. But it was this one. It was almost like I knew I was doing wrong. Almost like when you come home from work and the dog's chewed up the couch and you look at the dog and he gives you that like, look like he's fucking, mm. he knows what he's done wrong. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I felt like a naughty Labrador was like it's hard the last two weeks probably I've like struggled with probably loving myself just because I know what I've done has been wrong mm. and then it's like I get caught in this headspace where it's like if I'm not hard on myself and nothing changes then if I'm nice to myself then it feels like I'm not making I'm being nice to myself for doing the wrong things you're not punishing yourself yeah, mm. yeah. And that's a really um, like I don't know much about parenting but it's kind of that old school idea of parenting. You know, you do bad, you get rewarded. Oh, sorry, you do good, you get rewarded. You do bad, you get punished. It doesn't actually um, help. It's, 
<laughs> like it creates fear, creates judgment, creates shame, creates guilt. And if they're the motivators for you to change behavior, it doesn't feel like super sustainable. We've spoken about like unhealthy fuel to be like, I was so guilty and then I beat myself up enough to change my behavior. Well, at this point, I don't care what the, where the fuel source come from as long as there's yeah. change. Can I say the, the reason I said before that I can't relate to how you feel in this moment is because... So I've, I've never drunk because of my liver. And when I talk about those feelings that I had where it was like that negative energy and that pessimism and that tightness in the chest and the heavy breathing, if I then said to somebody that... And I felt that and so I had two rows of chalky or I scrolled social media someone would go oh like that's that's funny like oh don't we all go to chocolate and you know treat ourselves like that when we're feeling tough it's not people don't shame you for saying that you ate a bit of chocolate but to be to be open and vulnerable about the fact that you're using drinking to mask those feelings would be a challenge and I feel really grateful that you feel like you can be honest with us about this stuff because I think I would find it really hard to be honest about that because you know that people are going to go, well, man, that's not like, that's not good for you. No, definitely. Like I'm, I am insecure about it. And is, I was kind of nervous to talk about it. I was like, I've struggled with this probably if I've been completely honest with myself, I've probably struggled with drinking since I had my first drink and I didn't know about it for 10 years. Mm. Like, as I said, I've always been able to drink, but still achieve my goals and probably achieve above average even whilst still drinking way too much and it's not till now probably a bit more self-awareness has come into my life as I'm getting older I'm like I can't keep lying to myself that I'm just drinking to be social or I'm just drinking to make the experience a little bit better or anything like that it's like I'm drinking to escape emotions that I don't want to feel and even like my long-term goal isn't to be completely sober my long-term goal is just use alcohol and not abuse it like I think if you have a couple wines with someone, you go out to bar and have a few drinks, I think that has a negative impact on your life and I think you can do that in a healthy way. But someone that goes out and has six drinks to have a better social experience or just have a fun time, have a few drinks, watch the footy or whatever, as opposed to the person that goes out to have six drinks because they're trying to escape their own emotions, I think that's a very big difference. But it's, um, yeah, it's taken me a long time to figure that out. Do you think having that awareness now will make it easier or harder for you to pick up alcohol? Um, pick up in what way? Like to drink? So you're now aware that, okay, or like I'm drinking to, you know, run from my emotions or like you said, I'm abusing the alcohol, not using it to enjoy myself. So now that you're aware of that, next time you feel like having a drink, do you think it's going to be easier or harder to have alcohol now that you're like making well, the assessment? The, <clears throat> well, this is the habit that I've, the habit that I want to change is stop seeking cheap dopamine when I'm in, when I'm emotionally stressed. So I was trying to come up with like a creative word for like the same headspace that you were in when you said you felt like tight chested, couldn't think straight like that. When I get in those headspaces, what's well, probably been the last two months, it probably hits me like once a week not random but like that's about how frequent it is and it seems to i don't know if i subconsciously can like suppress it through the week and i know that if it pops up on the weekend i can deal with it then and if mm. i do that or now like well i'm doing one month completely sober and 
as I said before, like I don't think al alcohol is not the problem. The problem is well, now the problem can come to the surface now that I'm not constantly trying to fucking hold it down with alcohol or even any form of, I feel as though, any form of cheap dopamine in my life whenever I always pride myself in the external world of always taking the hard path, always pushing myself to the extremes. But as soon as it comes to like uncomfortable emotions in my head, I run like a fucking little bitch. Yeah, it's like my external world it's like yeah i don't have a problem pushing myself to limits I'm not scared of pain all those kind of things but as soon as it's like the internal world it's like i don't know i almost crumble i think yeah it's it's tricky now because for you to have a realization around oh shit this is the first time i felt guilty about drinking in 10 years or or since i started drinking um the reason i ask you the question do you think it'll be easier or harder for you to drink now that you're more self-aware of why you're using it i think it'll be harder for you to drink because you will be second guessing it now you'll go all right ty how are you feeling what's the real reason for you um you know leaning on alcohol and that moment of space which you never used to have i think is a part of the growth which is like something to recognize and celebrate it's uncomfortable because you're like fuck i felt guilty for four days this is a shit feeling but also through that shit feeling it's giving you a tool to lean on and be like that moment of me going uh, should i you get a chance to make a choice now i think it was unconscious before you didn't have a moment to make the choice you felt the emotion unconsciously grabbed the vice yeah, well, now I think you're giving yourself a couple of moments of breathing room feel the emotion do I want to don't I want to and that's the game now and I think that's progress man I think that's huge no, like progress I've had periods in my life where my mental health's good it's beaming I can drink I can have two or three drinks and it's fine yep. but when I'm in this headspace of like I feel frantically emotionally distressed and then when I introduce alcohol into my system at that point it's like I can't stop yeah. Uh, it's like every drink I have My life gets exponentially better That's how it feels Can I ask you a question And I, I don't know if I'll communicate this the right way Because I'm, I'm trying to think how to ask this And what the right words are But you said before that You, you were able to lie to yourself At a point in your life That you were able to drink To that level without it affecting your progress And like now you know that that's not true that's not the fact and you've got the self-awareness to see that but has there been like a bigger realization for you because i can see that like there's pain in this you know what i mean like you know this isn't serving you moving forward like is there something that you think fuck this is going to hold me back from seeing out this area of my life or experiencing this or is there something that like you can look to and go that's my big reason for this like that's the you spoke about the fuel source that's the fuel yeah well now i definitely have like it's i can still get by with gunay and achieve what i need to achieve but if i took what do you call it took binge drinking out or unnecessary binge drinking i could definitely achieve to a higher level mm. it's gone, well, even i was at uni my goal was to like just get a credit average and i was like if i can get a credit average i can drink as much as i want mm. that's kind of my reasoning behind it but as you said before it's getting harder to lie to myself because I always had a reason to drink given, well, never had a reason. I justified a reason to drink because I was dealt certain cards in my life and I could justify it in my head and drink excessively and not feel guilty. 
now I think with the self-awareness as I'm getting a little bit older, those lies are getting hard to stretch. And I was like, I can't, I can't lie to myself anymore. And I was like, I pretty much all the things that I've struggled with in my life or have been a reason for me to drink or escape, I've pretty much dealt with in my life. Those pains don't exist in my life. Now I'm just left with the dirty habit yeah. that I got to kick. I think the hard thing for you too, Ferns, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things you've spoken about at length on the potty is that lone wolf mentality that like you have to go through the depth of shit that you face in your life by yourself. And like, I'm, man, I'm, I, I gonna, really, you're going to send me to AA. <laughs> no, no, no. I love what I'm going to say is like, to I feel. Go to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said fucking right. I make it quick. <laughs> uh, I, I love the fact that you feel like you can talk to us about it. Well, it's not comfortable. Put it that way. No, and, and I don't think anything hard that you don't want to face is. But like I know that, that, that one of the biggest things I lean on, especially before I had so, is like when, fuck, when I was facing something, I'm like, fuck, I need to go talk to the boys. Mm. And I actually said this to so, like I think, I was like, man, sometimes I feel bad because I feel like I, I dump a little bit of my shit on you guys. Like, I'm like, oh, like, this for me is so, such a visceral reaction at the moment that, like, I need to just talk to the boys about it to get their thoughts on it and to hear their wise words or their, their kind encouragement. And you do such a good job of that. But, like, I want you to know that, like, fuck, I'm glad you're talking to us about this. Yeah. And just so it happens to be on a podcast because that's what we're doing today. But it's like, fuck, that's what we're here for. That's what mates are for. And, like, when you get to this point in your life, like, I don't see you guys not being a part of my life at some stage. You know what I mean? So this isn't something you have to fucking tackle alone. And I think that, like, we all have those moments where, like, fuck, when I'm sitting in the office and I'm, like, fucking so emotional about where I'm at. Like, I need to fucking bounce some thoughts off you guys or so. And I feel like you're going to have those moments where it's going to be so challenging and you just want to go grab a bottle. But if you feel like you can message us or we can go for a run or have a coffee or jump in the ice or go for a walk or just talk like it's that it's removing one bad habit with one good one right oh, i appreciate it well this is as i don't think well, drinking is a problem at the moment but if i take that away then i'm confronted by all my insecurities or then i'm confronted by whatever i'm running from which is going to be actually don't know i got my assumptions around what it might be but i don't actually know for sure but until i give myself an environment where I've got a clear mental state, I won't actually know, but I do feel like I'm running in my mind from, from something and I don't actually know what I'm running for, yeah. running from, but I think it's going to be, I've had this happen in my life before where you use the analogy of like, if you're treading water and it's only up to like your shoulders and you're swimming frantically and you're like, oh fuck, I think I'm going to drown and then you just relax just and stand up, up and you're like, yeah. oh, that, why was I worrying about that? That's not even a problem. That, like I feel as though this is going to have like a hint of that to it. I feel man, like, yeah, like, my whole life I've dealt with uncomfortable emotions as a kid and growing up by either ignoring them and suppressing them and then when I got to the age where I could start drinking it was either I would just escape through drinking or ignoring them but now I'm at the point now where drinking doesn't work I can't suppress them because the whatever it is in my subconscious is so loud now I've got to confront it I think you are equipping yourself really really well to be able to confront those things Oh, I'm and, like this is I'm I'm ready to do it now. And that's, that's like I've always 
lied to myself to say like oh, it'll go away it's not a big deal there's something else is the problem but now i know what the problem is now i just need to hit it with i know what i need to do i'm just i'll put it off for as long as i can well i think like like um brad said and we'll get into because really i know a little bit about what you're going to share and i was so impressed and like and like not in a patronizing way but i was just like so impressed and proud that you are able to do this work and come up to the conclusions yourself with what you're going through so much like brad said um like we're a resource for each other to lean on one another and that's something that is going to help equip us against the hard shit much like all of the other things that you're um exploring and figuring out that works for you um whether it's therapy whether it's meditation whether it's um you know ecstatic dance who knows there's so many modalities that you can choose that work for you and i think that's what you're finding now and you've found some fucking good ones man that you're equipping yourself so when this scary boogeyman arrives that we've been running from and i say we because we've all got him mm. we go all right we're we're geared up now as young men that are trying our best we've actually got some tools to like actually equip ourselves to to deal with life as opposed to being young children having this tidal wave of emotion and fear and 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 insecurity and then not knowing what to do and usually running to a bad vice whether it be drinking drugs sex whatever it is we've got more tools now so yeah we I appreciate you got you got this bro i know like i do appreciate that i can reach out to you boys at any time but when i'm in like this headspace and it's like Drinking is like the chicken crimpies and you boys are like a glass of water. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I appreciate the support, but when we're in that headspace, I'm like, oh, I just don't fucking want to talk right now, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But that, you, that's what I mean. you got so many other tools. And yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you um, continue. So yeah, when I sat down to do this and was like, what habits can I kick? And I was like, the habit that I need to kick is just stop doing, stop seeking cheap do- dopamine when I'm emotionally distressed. So I had to come up with like, Basically, when I get into this headspace of like, when I'm emotionally distressed, I just need to go to like a flow chart. Well, basically, this is what I thought in my head. It's like, I'm going to outsource my decision making to something else that I've constructed when I was in a good headspace. So mm-hmm. when I get into this headspace, I just resort to something that's already been predetermined. And I'm like, all right, it's already set. These are my options. This is what I can do. So, well, actually, I wrote... This is a two-page that I'm looking at right now for people who listen to the audio. On the first page, I wrote myself a letter to my future emotional self. And it's 500 words, I don't know if you want to hear it or not. So basically, just going through, like, you've been in this place a hundred times, you failed before, but this is like your opportunity to change. It's basically what it is and a few other things in there that really get me going emotionally. And then when I flip it over, I've done... Can I pause you, Foons? Um, Would you be comfortable reading it? Yeah, all right. I, th- I honestly think there's a lot of value in it, man. I, I will say quickly, a side note too, I love the engineer in you is still well and truly alive as a flow chart on the other <laughs> no, side. And I, lo- I love the way that you break things down. It's so so like, funny. You're such an engineer. <laughs> From the outside, you know, it, might look, it might look impressive, but when you've failed 500 times and this is like your 505th trial... To me, it's not very impressive. This is like... Give yourself credit, man. Necessity. <laughs> All right, we'll go from the top. I can't remember. All right, I'm just going to read it. If you're reading this, it means you're making progress and these small wins will compound over time. 
The critical aspect is to not take a step backwards and revert to old unhealthy habits by running from the pain. The most valuable habit that I can learn right now is the habit of using pain as a trigger for quality reflection. Pain plus reflection equals growth. In times like this, I need to remind myself that no matter what happens, no one can take away my grit, resilience and determination. No matter where I go, I'll always have this with me at my disposal. I have an undeniable stack of proof that I never quit when it gets hard. This is, this is what hard feels like. This is a trading currency for emotional growth. If it was easy, everyone would do it and mental health wouldn't even be a conversation. I don't know what my ultimate purpose is in life, but I know it lies on the other side of these hurdles. I've cheated, <laughs> I've cheated death twice and I've been blessed with a third opportunity to fulfill my destiny. What message would 18-year-old me be giving myself from above if I was watching myself in a simulation right now? So to put that in context, I could have died when I was 18. And when I get stressed sometimes, I often think about if I was in the clouds right now and someone gave me like a PlayStation controller, like how would I live my life? Like I've been given a second chance, which is yeah. probably sometimes while I've lived a little bit to the extremes, but I often use that as motivation. Like if you're looking down on yourself, how would you live your life? What message would you give yourself? So this is the message from my 18-year-old self to me right now that if I had passed away, go hard, bro. Don't let these struggles determine your destiny. They might be painful, but there's no greater pain than the pain of regret. Confront, confront your fears and emotions head on until it becomes habit. You can run, but you can't hide. I can see that you're tired of running, and now the real work begins. The hundred times you've failed yourself are the building blocks for the next obstacle. If it's hard, look at, your, look at yourself in the mirror and say good that's free motivation and you should be grateful for that your mind body and spirit are trying to flourish but you're letting fear the fear of change get in the way me and pop are looking down on you and we have absolute confidence in your potential so please remember so please remember that and don't forget they <clears throat> say true true hell is when the person you are meets the person you could have been now that you're trying to get rid of unhealthy coping mechanisms you'll be confronted with the reality of your own actions. Don't fear self-assessment and self-reflection just because you're worried about my, what you might have to admit to yourself that you don't like. It's a great failure to see yourself for more than you are. How could you really consider yourself to be self-aware if you refuse to consider your weaknesses? Managing heightened emotions is something I've historically struggled with, with simply for the fact I let them impede my actions. I must now interfere this habit loop of comfort. These impulses shall pass. The longer, I, <laughs> the longer I bit, scream and play the victim in my own mind, the more substance I give this storm and I prolong my own growth. Let the flow chart on the following page dictate your actions and not your subconscious fears. That's a, that's a fucking <clears throat> beautiful letter. And he tried to not read that. He tried to skip yeah. over it. <laughs> Bro, there's just... so much value in that. Like, but... Well, just to say, I wrote Everyone. that and drank a bottle of wine last weekend. <laughs> so. Well, I, I think, and this is the thing about you, Ferns, we experience it as your mates. You are so self-aware and well thought out. And the way that you can put that into words whilst being in the, the state of emotion that you were, I think is a fucking testament to the potential <clears throat> that you have. And I love what you said there, that your true purpose is on the other side of being able to accept and confront the challenge that you have right now. As you said before, like what's your motivation or your guiding to force? I think that's it. Just knowing that on the other side of probably what's going to be 
hardest thing I've had to confront emotionally in my life is these struggles at the moment on the other side of that I tell myself is the best version of myself to come yeah and you, we, you deserve to meet that guy man and it's um yeah I think pain plus reflection equals growth it's something that's ringing true for your situation at the moment Brad um my situation as well because you can't have the growth without the reflection part and if you have pain without the reflection then it's just pain it's just suffering so the reflection is also tough but i think that's what you're doing so do you want to run us through the flow chart things because so people listening it's probably hard to explain but basically i've done what are those things like i remember mum used to get like women's weeklies and if you had like yes no a question i'd be like find out which celebrity you are and you'd answer yeah. like yes no to all these questions you get down the bottom yeah that's kind of like <laughs> yes no follow your path type yeah, yeah. so like one of those so when i'm in this headspace of like emotional distress and i want to escape the first question is am i in the right headspace to reflect so it goes yes and no so if i'm not in the right headspace to reflect typically what i do is seek cheap dopamine in the form of alcohol or other drugs doom scrolling so social media overeating gambling porn any form of cheap dopamine basically and all those things uh it's like short-term short-term pain long-term gain the opposite of that short-term short -term pleasure long-term pain yeah. yeah it's like mm. taking the easy way out and it just basically prolongs whatever you're trying to deal with it prolongs it basically kicks the can down the road so when i'm in this state if i'm too frantic to reflect um i've wrote down like seven things that i can do that are better than self-destructive habits so i can go for a hot boy walk i can go to the gym i can change my environment by seeking nature journal meditate if possible listen to music and then the last one's call or catch up with mates and family and then also open to any other things you think that would be good to know in that headspace mm. yeah it's it's I, a um, challenge because because these are all like these are all my glasses of water and all the things to avoid like my chicken crimpies so yeah. it's like mm. when so, i'm in those things like i don't want to do any of these things but i know i'm just gonna have to force myself to do it for a period of time and sometimes when you're in that space even <coughs> going for a walk can seem like too much of a you know like a a big deal you're like i don't want to go for a walk i mean you're gonna have to be out in public with people so i have what i call um my science of happiness toolkit so i wrote this um probably about four years ago now just objectively a bunch of things that make me feel good mm. and funnily enough a lot of them were free but some of them a lot of them very similar to what you had there some of them are so simple like um lighting incense um having a hot shower putting on um fresh clothing and having a shave like so sometimes if you're in this and it's i guess it's similar to changing your environment if your environment is if your internal environment's a bit chaotic and then your external environment you know like i haven't had a shave in a couple of days maybe i just need to have a quick shave trim up get a skin fade and hop in the shower and already i can get a little bit of clarity or a little bit of distance from the franticness something as simple as getting sunlight obviously we know that works for us but yeah i've got a whole bunch um that work for me and one of those is lighting incense if i can get some nice smelling fragrance it helps calm me like 
yeah so i lean on my toolbox of happiness um and more often than not if i'm like man everything's fucked then i look at my toolbox and go cool so you haven't seen sun today um you haven't um you didn't have a shave you didn't light incense you didn't do this you went to bed late no wonder things are fucked i haven't ticked off any of these things that i know that i wrote down when i was in a good space work for me so yeah i think i'm i'm on page with what you were saying as well man there's there's two things that come to mind for me and i love all those things and all those things are things that are on my list of to-dos to feel good like exercise nature a swim like connection with the people i love are all a part of what i try to do every day because i know it's going to make me feel good and get me keep me on the path of you know being in a place where i'm like really mentally there and aware there's something for me that you know i wrote in that note that i read out before that like where passion and inspiration lacks so do i and so when I feel like I'm just down, I just go straight to the things that make me feel super passionate. And for me, that's like yeah, straight to writing. Like I fucking write the shit out of my paper. Like I'll write pages and pages of just how I'm feeling and like what I want from my life. And I'll think about my dreams and that thing that I know is the reason to stay the path. I'll go for a run because I love it so much. I'll sit and like listen to a podcast that sets my soul on fire one of the things i've gone back to recently is i go back and i listen to me on the dylan friends podcast yeah because that for me was a moment where like as a storyteller someone who wants to be in that space i was really proud of that Mm. and i'm like fuck i'm proud of myself in that space that that conversation had an impact on so many people who reached out go back and listen to myself and remind me that like that's why i'm doing this and enduring the tough stuff the other one is soph said something to me the other day that she heard i can't remember the exact Um, chemical response but she heard a scientist talking about the fact that when you feel emotionally upset when you're sad or you feel challenged or stressed that when you cry the part of the reason that your body cries is the release of the tears releases a certain chemical that allows you to then go and feel better it's like you're dumping that out of your system i was chatting with joey before i watched is it a dog's purpose last night yeah and like tried to cry but i was too infatuated on trying to figure out what his purpose was <laughs> <laughs> are you um are you a cryer friends do you remember no, the last like time you cried? like i've even googled like cryotherapy i feel as though it's like a block in me where i'm not even trying to play it tough like if i could cry i feel as that would benefit me but it's like yeah something's been drilled in my head and i actually remember ages ago when i was younger and i was like crying and then i remember like mum was like laughing at me for something and like i felt insecure about it and then just grew up in like the suppose you'd call it toxic masculine in the early 90s where like real men don't cry mm. i just think that's been drilled in my subconscious so deep that whenever i do feel like i could cry that voice like kicks in like men don't cry i'm like shut up and just fucking just let it dries out. just dries <laughs> yeah. that shit up i remember um and i've spoken about it on the pod there was a period i think just around um high school 17 18 maybe 17 18 19 just out of high school and i remember mm. i was thinking I don't remember the last time I cried like mm. it's been that long and almost yearning for it a little bit and I wonder if there is a physiological response like you're saying Brad the release of tears is like necessary for our body so as a young man 
I've experienced that being like, I don't know how to cry. I can cry now. I assure you that. Like <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I wish I could cry less. But man, it's it's soothing and it's also. You got any tips for a first time? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think how I did it. Life, life did it to me. I think. Um, but just opening yourself to feeling is what you're doing now, and not running from those feelings is like a part of the process to feel more. And I think that's a part of being human. Yeah, I think a bad like, habit I've had is just whenever I do experience bad emotions, I just lie to myself and try avoid them or ignore them. them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think there's probably a multitude of things here that are making it difficult for me. But I think this is a step in the right direction anyway. Yeah, I, would, I, th- I, well, I commend you for being open to feeling <coughs> emotions because, like you said, running from them hasn't served, have, hasn't served you, didn't serve me. So, yeah, opening yourself to these emotions is like a really, I think, maturing thing to be doing mm. as young men. Because, you know, we know the whole rhetoric, boys don't cry or suck it up or be a man. And we're, we're debunking that because we're realising that it's not actually healthy. So I'll say that, like, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm a fucking emotional cat. Like, it doesn't take much to fucking get a tear out of me. I was in the shower the other day just thinking about like how much I love what I do when it comes to the podcast and the speaking and I fucking started tearing up. Like I'm such an emotional cat that when you were reading that letter, Foons, I thought we were going to have you. Because I know you've told me before that you sit right in the middle of that emotional scale where you struggle to get really super happy and like high-end happiness emotion. You struggle to get that real like tear-jerker, sad, express it. Yeah, like my whole almost felt like my whole life my coping mechanism was just to suppress my emotions and if you do that for long enough you almost just become emotionally numb Mm. so Mm. when you're in that emotionally numb state you never get super happy but the benefit of it is you never get super sad Mm. it's like you're just stuck in the middle ground but then once you feel emotionally numb for long enough you're like i'd prefer to feel negative emotions than nothing yeah you want to feel alive man you want to feel like if you feel feel the, the the depths of your emotion because that's where bliss <coughs> and joy and like pure elation that's where that lies as well mm. but you can't have that without the that's like you can't have the good without the bad you can't have that without the other the other end of the stick it's like i fucking nearly shed a tear when you're reading that letter before i was thinking fuck hold back he you can't <laughs> cry he's not crying it's his letter, <laughs> it's his letter. <laughs> um but i just think it's i think that after like like you said you've been trying to suppress it for so long that it's just going to take the more you open up and accept how you feel and the fact that this is challenging and that you don't want any part in sabotaging yourself in the future like the more that you're accepting of that and acknowledge that i think the easier it will become in time it's just going to be a process and i'm no expert on this but i i would say that like the more aware and accepting I've become of like who I want to be and where I'm at, like the more natural that feels. And safe it feels because not crying has been, or not feeling has been a survival mechanism. Mm. But then when you get to a place to go, well, I can actually express, I can actually cry. I can actually laugh. I can love, I can do all of the emotions and I'm still safe. I'm still alive. Mm. I survived. Nothing bad happened. Matter of fact, I was held and supported by my friends and my family and my loved ones. I actually felt safe when I was doing it. You don't need to 
run from it to survive anymore. You can actually lean into it and still be okay. And what a fucking beautiful feeling that is to feel seen and heard in a conversation when you're like crying. You know, that eulogy episode, I said to you, felt so privileged that you felt safe enough to express it as you were. Like, it's a privilege and an honour to be able to be in a space when someone does that because it's a sign that they feel safe. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, so it's just working on rewiring that survival mechanism being like it's safe to man and it's not you're not going to get laughed at and you're not going to get um whatever the trauma response is that blocks that energy is like it's maybe an old an old story that you're rewriting and you are rewriting it so i say old habits die die hard mm. yeah i think that's what they say yeah they do it's <laughs> it's and it's so that's true really it's like, so i've had had periods in my life where i've done like a month sober and when i get to the end of the month i was like i feel shitter at the end of the month than i did before i even started this thing so i was like why would i go sober if i feel shitter did a breakdown a breakthrough baby but then mm. i was listening to a, a audio book this is a while ago and it's called dopamine nation and one of the doctors in there was talking about there was someone that was struggling with a weed addiction mm. and she was like just go as long as you can without marijuana like say you can get to 30 days if you can't get to 30 30 days try 14 and if you feel shit at the end of that period without it then whatever you took away wasn't the problem yeah okay. so like i already know that alcohol is not the problem or like mm. whatever it might be that you take away if you still feel terrible after that period then whatever it is you took away wasn't the problem so that's just masking it mm. yeah can so i ask- say like well for social media for you if you take social media away and still feel shit and then social media wasn't the problem Mm. If you take social media away and you feel better, then social media was a problem. Yeah. I wonder, like for you, what's the, what's the environmental change? Like you spoke before about like creating an environment in which you can thrive in those new habits and, and accept the emotions and really understand and comprehend that feeling. What does that environment look like? I think I'm in the environment where that can be, where I can execute on that. I've just got to stop lying to myself and when push down to the shelf, just stop running away. I think at the end of the day, like I can't sweep that under the rug anymore. I've done it for over a decade and now I can't, can't lie to myself. Like I have to look at myself in the mirror now. Mm-hmm. That's something, yeah, the hardest thing for me was like, I know that I'm doing wrong, but I'm still doing wrong. So now I can't do any mental gymnastics to get around this. Like I know the answers. But now it's like it's time to execute. It sounds as if you're like, um, right now it's time for me to start doing something. I think, I think you've already started that, man. Like if, if you compare how you used to be versus now, it's like you've already changed the amount of wrongdoing you've you're doing. That was a messy sentence, but do you know what I mean? You're you're behaving less. The negative behaviors that you wanted to get rid of whilst they might still exist or you might slip up or relapse or whatever it might be you um you're way better than when when you are describing your past self so it's almost like you're already on that road obviously you're trying to just eradicate it like enough's enough let me have full control over this thing let me master this this demon or this vice that i've got and who knows like we all have them we all gonna lean back on things when we're not our best but like I think, I think there's, you know, credit to be given, because, yeah, you've definitely got way more control than, than what you used to. You know, this definitely has been an overnight decision. Like I think this has been on my subconscious mind for a while. Mm. It's just got to the point now where something's got to change, and I'm motivated to make it happen. What yeah. was the quote you said before? You said pain plus 
reflection equals growth. Yeah. Was it? Was that the thing? Yeah. It's. I agree with Joey. So much so that I don't know if I've ever told you this, but obviously there's been challenges for you over the last couple of years, and I look at how far you've come in the last. And I don't know if we've spoken about this exact point, how far you've come in the last couple of years. But I, I would say, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but it's the biggest compliment. Not just because as you get older, you want to look younger. That's everyone's dream. But I genuinely like look at your face, right? You look younger than you did two years ago. Damn. No, seriously, because I feel like for us two years ago is when we become mates in 2020. But in 2021, when we're in the second COVID lockdown and you had to sort of buddy up to do anything outside, we done so much running together in the course of a week that that's where I think our friendship really blossomed into... I remember actually putting up a post because I had to put it on social media for it to be real, right? <laughs> um, on social, a story and, and maybe a post where we'd done a 27K run that morning and we finished. And I remember it being the, the best run. And I think maybe like a, a couple of weeks before that, you'd handed me a letter and said that you were going to commit to the marathon. And like you wrote a letter where you were like, you were going to honor a few things that you wanted to do like in the spirit of our friendship. And it was a fucking moving letter. Like it moved me to tears. And I look back at you in that moment though. And I know it was, there was some challenging shit going on in your life. And you look younger now. And I think it's because the more you've been able to accept it and move through it and the growth and the reflection of being able to look back and you should be able to look back on that time and go, fuck, I'm proud of how far I've come. I can see that some of the stress has gone from your fucking face. And, I'm, and I mean that. Like I think stress and emotional challenge and adversity, fucking you spoke about the, the language of the body and the way it reflects in your skin and the way that you feel and the way that you move and all of that. Like I genuinely feel like you've come so far. So I think you should be so complimentary of yourself, but also, yeah, accept that fact that this ain't over. I still want to keep progressing and moving forward. Well, I appreciate the kind words. I don't know if I look younger because I've got a massive pimple right now. <laughs> what it is, but I do appreciate it. But I kind of feel like I feel like I've almost dug myself a hole, and then now I'm almost getting back to level. And everyone's congratulating me for just getting back to level. Yeah. Like I haven't done anything yet. Mm. I think like everyone's like you come a long way. I was like, what was I've done to get myself out of a hole that I dug myself? Yeah, I think it's a natural, I guess, like counterbalance to your like your masculine energy around it, which is like, I'm attacking this thing head on and like, don't give me praise until I fucking just slayed the monster. And we're like offering you a sensitivity and femininity, I suppose, around it being like, kindness, compassion, I can feel it, but I can also feel myself kind of rejecting it. You can, like, I know you don't want to hear it, but like, it'll land when it's supposed to land. But also know, you know, you can't just slay the monster with, with like pure brute force and and will and determination and this is a message to you as much as much as it is myself because that's how i've looked at certain things you know you overcome and you conquer them and you master them and you then you've got it ticked off and then you move to the next thing and the next thing instead of going oh shit like i'm i've done this thing or, or i'm like i've let myself down or i'm not proud of myself or i'm insecure here i thought i had that covered that's when I needed the femininity to go, dude, mm. like you're doing way better than you are giving yourself credit to. Also, 
I'm going to fucking master it and we'll slay it. But you need to have them in union. At least a little bit. At least let us soften the blow a little bit for you. <laughs> no, I, I, do, I, I think do that's what I think no, that's what it is. I know. Um, I do. I definitely feel this is something I've thought about a couple times over the last sort of month in my own head, of like dealing with internal and external challenges. And I think they're almost, to some extent, almost like masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Like all, if you're being an entrepreneur, or you want to be successful, you want to run a marathon, anything in the external world. I think it's almost like the Michael Jordan or David Goggins mentality where it's like, shut up, go harder. Everything, you quit. Like, if you fail, just go harder next time, go harder next time. Mm-hmm. But it feels like if you're trying to overcome emotional stress in your head, that shit can, like, almost my mentality was like, I would run from my emotions as hard as I would, like, try to achieve a goal in the outside the world. External world, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And then I'm just trying to, in my head, I'm trying to, f- fight these problems if you want to speak about it metaphorically with more of a almost feminine approach where like breathe be nice to yourself it's all right how you feel and check in with yourself kind of that and i feel as though trying to balance that between the internal and external world mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. something i have definitely thought about where I've, i grew up in a very masculine environment where dad was very toxic masculine and mum didn't show much feminine emotion so i've never experienced that been an environment where i've had feminine sort of energy so i think if i just default myself i can default the toxic masculinity and i think when you're in that headspace it's very hard to be nice to yourself in the inside world especially when you haven't you're not living to your own standards so it's like how can i i feel as if, if i allow if i've been nice to myself by failing i feel as i'm reinforcing a bad habit almost yeah no i definitely hear you man. which is pretty much exactly what you said before like how do you punish a kid like if you just punish them for being naughty and doesn't really solve the problem but then again if you praise them for being naughty it feels like you're almost reinforcing like a, a negative habit so Huberman and I, yeah I definitely hear what you're saying there man Huberman put this thing up the other day which I thought was was like really interesting it speaks about um, performance based praise versus effort based praise so they had a bunch of kids two cohorts of children um, that did an exercise the ones that one group of kids was praised on their performance wow you you performed really well your performance was good you scored this like amazing the other group even if they performed better was only praised selectively on their effort you tried really hard you put in your best effort um you know you were you showed up today nothing to do with their performance then they went and did another test the ones that had effort-based praise did better the ones that had performance-based praise did worse so it's almost like what i'm trying to do is not let you off the hook for not performing at what your standard is but i'm trying to praise your effort because mm-hmm. in the space that we are not feeling our best but we're still choosing to try with the resources we've got and even that might even look like we didn't try very like we didn't do very well but we fucking tried and our effort was there and we tried to do our best that's what needs to get praised, I think. Yeah, I think I don't know if I wrote so it that here. Little or study reiterated that for me. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, there's I, I like that. Thought about it. Maybe I wrote it somewhere. Maybe I journaled this morning or the other day. Similar to that, I was like, when I'm in these frantic states, I was like, even if I don't win, just don't take a backward step. Yeah. So even if I just take a sideward step and I don't go forward, that's better than going backwards. Mm-hmm. Can I? That's taking the performance out of it. It's like the effort, just like, yeah. 
forward is progress. But if I can't progress, at least we just like praise my effort. I'll say something that you said before. You feel like whilst you've come some way in the last couple of years, you felt like you've almost dug a hole that you've only come back to level, right? Now, I think the feeling, the reason that you feel like you're only back at level is because the fact that you had to start to emotionally become aware of how you felt made you go through all that pain and suffering that maybe when you were blissfully ignorant or naive to it at 18 when you first you know put your first drink in your hand that without that knowledge or understanding of what you're about to face you feel like you've had to go backwards to get to the point where you are now but if we're going to use the the metaphorical meaning of the mountain to explain something I, I read something the other day that I thought was really powerful and it was most people will go on the journey of trying to summit a mountain over the course of their life and they'll reach a point into which the path is blocked and they cannot go any further but so many people get to that point and accept that that's where they are and that's where they'll stay for the rest of their life because they're not willing to go back down to the base and find a new path that allows them to reach the top and I think almost you can look back at a couple of years ago and say well I was at this point in the mountain where my life just naturally was progressing in this order and I had a job and I had a goal and I started a business and then all of a sudden I realized I hit this block in the road that I can't go any further because I've not emotionally accepted the real challenges of my life and what I need to face and to go forward to get past that point of emotional blockage I need to go back dig myself a fucking hole go through the shit go through the pain suffer a little to move forward a lot and I feel like you've come to this point in which yes you may be at the same level but you're looking across at that path that was blocked and that you would take no further step and now you look ahead and it's not clear pastures there's some fucking bushy challenging rocky road ahead but you're like I can fucking see a way through that one step at a time and I think the more baggage I drop the more equipped I am to tackle whatever's in front of me so that kind of motivates me that I know that if I do overcome, when I overcome these challenges, I'll be more equipped to figure out whatever the fuck I was putting this planet to do. Yeah. 100%. Amen. 100%. Well, yeah. we've been chewing for been a minute now. This is what happens when we, we don't catch up on the pod for over a month. I know. <laughs> I know. Are you, um, have you got a little bit more with your flow chart there, Foons? Because I know um, there's some <clears throat> more value in that to drive. Well, basically, for the people listening that can't see, it's pretty much split up into left side and right side right side are things that i can do when i'm feeling stress that i read out before that just basically this is like a sideward step don't go backwards like going for a walk exercise change my environment all that kind of stuff even though it's not going to give me i'm still going to feel like shit when i do it at least it's a sideward step not a backward step mm. and then the left side is basically well the first question is am i in the right headspace to reflect and then i've just got a bunch of reflection prompts that can try as i said drinking is not the problem whatever the problem is is trying to come out so the more questions i can ask myself i feel as i can kind of get to the bottom of it like um just quickly don't feel like you gotta rush through this either no. i was just saying we've been chewing for a minute like take yeah. the time to nut this out no well, reflection prompts would be like what is the root emotion that i'm feeling um am i being completely honest with myself because chances are <laughs> that's something i do struggle with am i playing the victim in my own mind why do I feel this way? I don't have any answers to these questions, but it feels like I can start asking these questions. Answers will follow eventually. Is this related to the quality of my work or quality of my relationships? In brackets, likely. 
remember this shall pass. Be grateful for the opportunity to grow. These, ama these emotions may not be my fault, but they are my responsibility. Remember my accolades, as I said before. Um, this is a, a quote, like a thing I got out of a book. I can't remember where I actually got it, but it's like, what's your, I can't remember, what, like there's a Greek word for it. Like no matter where you go, no matter where anyone puts you, you'll always have that thing. So if you, I'd say it's like your empathy, your kindness, kind of that, doesn't matter where you are, you're always going to have that with you. And mine's like, it doesn't matter what environment I'm in, whatever's in front of me, I won't quit. Like I'm just going to, mm. if I go down, I'm going down swinging. Mm. So it's like I've got to remind myself when I'm in these phases, like what, what tools do I have at my disposal? It's like I know sure. that's like my thing, like remember my accolades, remember, basically remember who the fuck I am. Mm. <laughs> like what's your your sense of humor like whatever it is just res resort back to whatever your strengths are and then <laughs> reflection prompt 10 was can i laugh at myself yet <laughs> yes yeah i, th I think I it's a really first question is like what emotion am i feeling because because <laughs> fuck if i know because sometimes <laughs> rage yeah we, we think it's rage but really it's it's rage is just like a, a whoopoo well, honestly i think at the end of all this i wrote it down somewhere uh like what what am i actually running from i honestly think it's loneliness yeah i think that's like a fear that i have that's never had a chance to arise because i've always been in an environment where i have no reason to feel lonely but i think i have a subconscious fear of being lonely i like i think that's some work i need to do as if well. you're lonely and you drink damn that shit feels good yeah <laughs> like, damn that and i think that's actually get like articulating what the emotion is not how it's showing up because it could be showing up as rage punching a jipper off the wall yeah but i'm not actually angry i'm betrayed or lonely or scared or you know there's so many emotions that we we kind of just default to a couple I think Brad's just, having a, Brad's just having a quick scroll on <laughs> social media. I was I was just, just trying to clear find. on like what is the actual emotion I'm feeling Oh, I'm actually terrified. Yeah. I'm actually so scared and it's making me, it's, it's projecting as anger or it's projecting as confidence. Excellent. That was probably my, like, my number one emotion that I felt my whole childhood was either, I either felt nothing or I felt angry. But the truth, the anger was just a wool pull for however I did truly feel. I just knew that if I felt angry, I didn't feel sad. So I just learnt that whenever I got sad, I'd just make myself angry and, and then, then the, the sadness would go away. Yeah, wow. And you actively, like looking back, you're like, oh, I can make oh, myself... Oh, in hindsight, I yeah. remember that, but at the time, I didn't know that I was doing that. Yeah. It got to the point where anger was soothing for me. Yeah. I'd felt it. Mm -hmm. I'd done that emotion so many times that when I felt anger, it almost soothed me. It almost calmed me down in a weird way. The reason for my scroll then is there's something, just what you said there about you think that the core reason behind this is loneliness i read something the other day and it was it was so interesting and it stood out so much but not enough that i can recall it like a chris williamson would on a on a podcast with incredible detail but rather it was this lady who had delivered a ted talk and i believe she was a doctor of sorts and she was speaking about a study that they did on human health and longevity and they studied a bunch of things that have an effect on humans and have the most negative effect on their health and the most positive and there was a study that showed that loneliness more so than smoking drinking drugs 
any other negative health habit Tick you could think. <laughs> yeah, like any more than in. any of those, that loneliness was the thing that had the most negative effect on people's health long term. The right. people who reported that they felt lonely and lacked connection struggled the most and died the earliest due to, um, well, just lost, like died early. And I think we underestimate like how much of an impact that has on us as humans. Yeah, definitely was it. Loneliness. I think I have a very high base level of anxiety that when I get rid of all these coping mechanisms, it comes like to fruition mm. or like lack of self-love. I don't know, like something to do with those three. I think it'll be around those. But then, as you said before, you've brought it up and I do talk about it, talk about it in terms of like my lone wolf mentality. I think that probably lends loneliness to itself in the long run. Like, It's like, yeah, it's instead of um, you're like befriending it, mm. I'm going to be lonely. Well, I'm going to be a lone wolf. Like this is what I'll, mm. like, I'll succumb to being a lone wolf. This is just me. A wolf alone. gets kicked out of the pack. You'd be just like, fuck it. I'm going to do everything myself. And after a year or two, you'd be like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> well, I think I seen the thing the other day. It was, it was Jay Shetty. And he was talking about how loneliness or the feeling of being alone and being in solitude are two different things. Yeah. Being in solitude is a strength. Being alone is something we, we often identify as a weakness. And just what you said there about like the anxiety the loneliness the what was the other one the lack of self-love self i think the lack of self-love makes you only feel all the more lonely because you don't even have yourself mm. like you know what i mean like you you detach your ability to be comfortable in solitude from who you are as a human because you are lacking the self-love that you need to feel comfortable and proud of who you are and i think so that just in turn makes you feel even more lonely and isolated and and yeah, I just think you've got so much to be proud of, man. Like as a mate, I'm s like I was, Soph and I were talking about it this morning. We, we went for a walk down in Jerringong and we're just talking about the quality of friendships and connections. And, and I was talking about you two boys amongst a, a few other mates. And I was just like, like you two guys are two mates that like, I just so much respect and love for. And like, and I just think like, Fuck, it makes me emotional when I think that like some, <laughs> of course it does. It makes me emotional when I think that like what I see in you, you may not see in yourself. I feel that because like the last week or two, I have struggled probably more so than well, most in you know, the last couple of weeks with actually like loving myself or looking myself in the mirror. Mm. But it's just the, the choices that I've made con unconsciously or consciously, it's hard for me to like, being nice to myself about making those decisions. It's something that I've struggled with and I think probably the last week when that guilt almost all hit me at once, that was when I was really struggling to love myself and it was like all the things I'm doing aren't working, like something has to change. Mm. That's, I don't know, if I can start, if I can start executing on the things that I say I'm going to do, I think that'll be definitely a foundation for self-love whereas like if I keep doing the opposite of what I know I need to do, <clears throat> Sorry. it's hard to have well, from the outside in you don't see all the mistakes from the outside looking in you don't see how many times I've struggled this or failed with this mm. so this might look impressive from the outside in but for me it's like necessity is the mother of invention like yeah I think I think it's um, there's a slight difference between excusing a behaviour and forgiving yourself for a behaviour mm. like I hear oftentimes psychologists will speak 
when people are going through things, the first thing that you have to do is you have to forgive yourself. Mm. You know, forgive yourself for whatever story you ran in your mind that is like drilling in that negative shame, guilt, fear, mm. regret. Because until you forgive yourself, you can't really move through the growth stages. But forgiving yourself isn't excusing yourself to go and do the thing again. Mm. And I know you're not excusing yourself because you're you're being hard on yourself mentally that's a fine line it's a fine line and that's where you got to like similar to the fine line between solitude and loneliness like they could almost look like one and the same it's like using and abusing drugs yeah like getting that's i feel like where our emotional intelligence what we're trying to cultivate is having enough emotional intelligence to go okay i'm forgiving myself but i'm not excusing myself i'm i'm not i'm alone but i'm not lonely you know, this is where we're trying to get familiar with those the subtleties of different emotions. Well, this is how I see it as well. Um, is like, that's what the game I'm trying to play. Get comfortable with these emotions so that I can be aware, oh, this isn't forgiveness anymore. This is excusion. This isn't me being in solitude. This is me isolating myself because I'm lonely mm. and masking it as solitude and workaholic. You know what I mean? Until you're familiar with the depths of those emotions, it'll all just be confusing. And it is now. Like, but I think that's what I want to get better at is that, like being familiar with those emotions. Yeah, I've so. already like had to think about what I think my vices will be given the fact that I'm taking all these historical vices away that are unhealthy. I think I'm probably the next month I'm probably going to abuse the gym too much mm. and probably be antisocial if I had to guess. Yeah. Probably two you things. think you have control over that though? Control um, when you're like, all right, I'm abusing it, or I'm actually just like healthily at the gym. Um, potentially at the start, I don't know. I'm just gonna have to be present right? as I go. But if I had yeah. to guess what I'm gonna struggle with the most, like I feel like shit. I just want to go to the gym so I can put physical pain in my body so it can alleviate some of my mental stress. Mm. And then when I'm in that kind of frantic headspace, I definitely don't want to socialize. Yeah. So those are probably gonna be the two things that I'm gonna have to be the most mindful of. Just asking yourself, I suppose, before you partake in anything, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, why am I doing this? Am I running or am I not running? And that's why I said to you the other day, Foons, when we caught up, I worked in the nightclubs for about three years and um, it was interesting being sober at <coughs> 3 a.m. at a busy nightclub on a Saturday night and just observing people, observing behaviour mm. and going, wow that guy's running from something and it's so obvious me being sober looking at him it's 3am he's plastered it's not fun for him anymore he doesn't want to be here but he'd prefer to be in this state than somewhere else where's that somewhere else i don't know what's he running from but he's at the bar again ordering more shots and you probably would have seen it brad in your sobriety your whole life you see people but there's a difference when you can see someone else and you're like that guy's just having the time of his life He's so happy that he's with his group of friends and he's just, you can tell he's ecstatic. He's also plastered and he's also got his two vodka Red Bulls spilling, but he's dancing and he's laughing and he's giggling. It doesn't feel like he's running. And then another guy, you're just like, man, they're running from something. It's the same behavior, two different intentions. Mm. Maybe just asking yourself before you partake in the behavior, why am I doing this? Mm. Yeah, I remember back earlier in my drinking career, I'd try to have like months of sobriety you'd be like two, week in, two weeks in, I'd crack. And I'd be like, all right, if I'm drinking when I'm meant to be sober, 
I'm going to drink so much to try to get the worst hangover that I can that it deters me from drinking. So I'd go through phases where I would try to drink so much in a short period of time Kill yourself. to deter myself from drinking again. But it's like I could never get a hangover that was worse than the pain of not drinking mm. until recently and it hit me. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, damn. Well, I have to say, I'm, worse than a hangover. I'm going to put my hand up and personally make sure that you don't abuse the gym because oh, it's like the lesser of, lesser of the two evils well i'll say the thing that scares the fuck out of me is as a guy who runs so much and tries so hard to, to have some sort of like ab definition <laughs> and then i look at you and like i'd say you moderately exercise sometimes <laughs> in comparison to me and look so much better than I do. I'm like, so you're gonna it scares, it scares you. me that like you could be in the gym looking sharper than you look now. So I'm gonna fucking keep you accountable that you don't abuse that. Um, that's my challenge. But it's only fair as a friend, really. Yeah, to be fair. But no, I just think, in all seriousness, like, you know, the more the more we talk about these things, and there's always time that you need personal space. But I think, you know, like like I said. The other week, for me, those Wednesday runs, swims, coffees have become so crucial and I think even more so for you now, like, to make sure that through a challenging time you just have that support. And I think I've always had great friends in my life, so it's probably something I do take for granted that in these next few months when I'm confronted with challenge, I probably appreciate a lot more. Mm. Like, I've always been... Well, drinking and partying you always it's based on kind of being social like i've always had that i've always had good friends which is lucky but i think um i'll probably appreciate it more when i do start going through struggles where i'm yeah, confronted with the thoughts in my own head well yeah sure. just just two weeks ago when when like i was hit with the a new reality <coughs> in my life and i'm going through some stuff and i caught up for coffee with you guys and you know within 15 minutes i'm crying and <laughs> And I remember you said, Fungi, like, man, you're stronger than me. You're here crying. If I was you, I would have been doing this. Mm. But it's like, that's the choice I made. It's like, I'm, I'm going to lean on my friends and I'm going to cry in public. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe not normalize it, but it's like, that's, um, yeah, that's the way I, I, I choose. That's the tool I choose to, to use. And I think it's a healthy tool. So, you know, you got that as well, man. For sure. This has been a a um a good one. Fuck, I've really I was just thinking this that like this could be we've had some really beautiful and profound moments on these pods, but I feel like this was just from all three of us. There was some real fucking honesty here, and mm. and oh, that's just always a nice experience. And I guess if you've gotten this far as a listener, which I really hope, of course you have if you're hearing this, but I really <laughs> hope everyone um, got this far or at least. <coughs> if I had to pause and pick it back up in another session or across a few sessions of listening, really hope people have, because I think there's so much value in one of the things we've all identified is, you know, three mates from three completely different backgrounds with a whole heap of different challenges. And there's so much diversity in the way that the three of us experience life and have experienced life that I just feel like if you're listening as a male or a woman, and you have shit in your life that's confronting, I feel like you'd be able to relate to somewhat of what one of us says or what a few of us say. So thank you so much, boys, as always. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate the vulnerability. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, I think I actually feel a little bit lighter now. 
kind of yeah. got that out. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. I appreciate the honesty and vulnerability. I'm pretty nervous so. before getting into this because like this is something I'm quite insecure about. Like from the outside in, when other people have problems or they tell me that they have problems, I'm like, don't be insecure about it. Like no one cares, and I know that no one cares. Like well, no one's going to put me down for this. Mm. But it's still something I'm very insecure about. So it was it's kind of hard to talk about, but I do feel better. I appreciate the honesty and vulnerability, man. Like good on you. I love Stuff, it. Fins. Better I times f- coming. A hundred percent. And but this one kind of speaks for itself. So we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. And um, I know that so many people on the other side would benefit from this conversation. So don't be shy to share it with the people you love. Cheers, guys. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Lot to Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it, and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I want to pay my respects and recognise the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history and storytelling And as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.